let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hello everyone and welcome to episode 117 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. I am your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Brendan, we're going to talk about the Sky Kings today. Yes, we are. We're going to talk about Caradron Overlords, their new book that came out literally yesterday. And <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to do a short report on a one-day event that we attended yesterday, in which I played the Caradron Overlords. <laughs> for all three games, for yeah. For all three games, yeah. <laughs> which is very cool. Yeah, so that's it for us, really. The Battle Tome and then report out on that one-dayer we had yesterday, which was really cool. Yep. And, yeah, on we go. Cool. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Brendan, hobby time. Still working on my super secret Adepticon stuff. Yep, yep. I have all of the models painted. Yes. Um, so all I have left to do over these next 10-ish days is basing. Imminently doable. Okay, Because uh, sure. I got next weekend slated for the final push. But I've started building in the morning before work my... Uh, Skaven. So oh, yeah. I don't quite know what the list is, but I know that I need Storm Fiends. Of course so you do. So that's where I started. <laughs> yeah, the basis of every Skaven list. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, so I finished my second Tree Lord, finally. He had just been kind of sitting there with some contrast on him and stuff, and it was like, I got to get him done. Even if I don't use him, I want to have him finished and on the shelf. And then after my first couple of games, I have decided to include Drycha in my list. So I built and painted a Drycha up yeah. and used her yesterday all day. Uh, and the early reports were quite good. Yes, she was definitely carrying her weight and it was really fun to play with her. Such a different model for me, too, to have so much shooting from anything. <laughs> it was really, really cool. So that's been my hobby. And I'm done with my Sylvaneth at this point. I've got a list pretty locked down. You know, obviously we'll talk a little bit to see if I can fine tune anything, but I'm pretty comfortable with it and how it works. And I just want to get the reps in at this point. I think the only other models that I would consider at some point in the future, and it's not soon, would be painting up some dryads, maybe 30 of them just to have them. And then maybe as a long-term project, doing a Lariel. I think that might be fun for some kind of a special event to have her included in a list, but not, you know, as regular tournament stuff. But if there's something else special that comes up, like another one day or something, just to take her and, you know, be able to play her and see what she does. So that's kind of where I am hobby-wise. I probably have some Slaves to Darkness stuff that I want to paint. Like I've got those three Theradons that Mm -hmm. I just want to paint. I'm not going to use them. I (laughs) <laughs> I just want to get sure. get them to look cool. Um, but yeah, so that's it for me hobby-wise. Pre-orders at this point are all 40K. We have this new story arc that's going on. And The Wrath of the Soul Forge King is a box set that has come out with this. There is a book about this 
awesome new model. His name is Vashtor. I think he's kind of like a rogue tech mage kind of a thing. When I looked at the model, he looked like he'd make just a perfect demon prince. Yeah, he'd be pretty cool for that. And then there are four more boarding action boxes, which we talked last time are kind of the 40k equivalent right now of Vanguard boxes. Just four different factions now. I think it was Cults, Nurgle, something else. So that's pre-orders. There's no Sigmar stuff right now, at least current. We have releases, of course, the KO Battle Tome and all the kit that comes with that. There's a KO Vanguard box, and then we got boxes for those regiments of renown that have come out. Yeah. So that's about it, really, for product. Games played, other than Sigmar, I have jumped back into Dawn of War Dark Crusade, which I always found fun. It was a fun game. Yeah, it's just not mindless, per se, but it it's rewarding if you play it right. It's always fun to have so many factions to pick from. If you want to play Eldar, Space Marines, you could be Necrons. It's just really cool. Man, I love playing some of, of those fun. maps and just, you know, oh. being myself and then throwing down five random enemies or six random <laughs> yes. enemies or seven, yeah, whatever it was. And, you know, oh, yeah. And you've got, you know, the whole fog of war going. You don't even, so like, you know that you put an enemy there, you know it was random, and that's all you know. <laughs> yep. And as things come out of that darkness, yeah. Oh, okay, there are orcs here. Yeah. And, you know, okay, well, that means I got to build these kinds of units, though. Sure. Oh, there's Chaos Marines. Well, okay, well, I got to be able to do this as well, but I can hold off on that for a little bit. I got to deal with this problem over here first. (laughs) All of a sudden, a Defiler shows up out of nowhere. What? Yeah. So it's just a cool game. But that's really been it other than Sigmar for me, just doing that once in a while when I'm not doing other things. So how about you? Just kind of playing Pokemon as a wind down kind of thing. Most of my time has been spent on the Adepticon project. So yeah, yeah, I've not really been like, you know, sitting down and (laughs) gaming for hours and hours and hours. Cool. All right. Then let's talk about some Sigmar games. Have you, other than yesterday, Mm -hmm. which was our one day or listeners, Brennan and I had talked before the show that we're going to kind of roll his three games because he did play KO the whole time into his perspective on the new book. Yep. Have you had any other single games or anything from? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had two other singles. I played Nick and Justin from Dias Cast and Nick brought this Oh, crazy Slaves of Darkness list that has the bridge. First turn, 10 Chaos, double Nurgled Knights. Yeah, right. So Mark of Nurgle in my face. and the eroding icon. And the yes. banner, yeah. You know, it was just on the back foot because I wasn't expecting it. Now that I've seen it, and now that I know what it is... Right, because what he does is he takes that unit, yep. he gives it the 6-up ward. Yep. He gives it the demonic power, plus 1 to hit and plus 1 to wound. He gives them demonic speed, which is 3d6 charge. Yes. And Out of the bridge. Yeah, knights flip the lowest dice to a 4 if you so choose. Now, if you roll all 5s and 6s, then obviously you're not going to flip one to a 4. Chucks them through the bridge. Yep. And... (laughs) He's wherever he wants to be. Yep. Oh, man. And so, right, using the Cabalist ability to use the draw and power for both of his wizards, Mm -hmm. that's... Oh, and Mystic Shield, obviously. Just tools them up, tosses them in, they're an incredible pin piece at that point because, you know, you're not going to be using all out attack, right? You're plus one to hit and plus one to wound. You're going to take all out defense, you know, if your opponent's got any amount of rend to just be an absolute sticking piece. Just tag as much of your opponent's army as physically possible mm-hmm. as early as you can in that game. Yeah. 
Yeah, just shell shock. Yep. It's what it is. But yeah, I learned at least. <laughs> I want to really do a rematch against that list because I, again, I'm thinking different ways that I'm going to do things. And now that I have a tree lord in my list as well, I think that might come in handy at certain points. So yeah, that was a good game. And then, but I did get crushed. Let's just say that. <laughs> and then I played Justin Friday. It's okay. He, he's done it to me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he brought a broad list. So broad and three other megas. And of course, I'm thinking of my experiences before with giants i'm going how am i going to do this how am i going to climb this mountain and sure enough it went really well i picked out a giant and that's what it was about here's where Drycha just shined i mean she i kind of tag tamed her with a durthu Mm. because he doesn't always get all those wounds through you know that he needs to to say kill a giant but she was putting eight ten wounds on those giants easy yeah so now i'm down to 2025. Durthu can do that against giants because yep. he's got the rend, he's got the damage. Well, if you can get your stomp off to get him fighting last, you can fight with Durthu and Drycha. You yep. can give Drycha Titanic Duel. You yep. can give Durthu all out attack in that case. You yep. can be able to swing him back. And the other thing that she did twice was I had a giants down to maybe four or five wounds. So they're still, you know, stomping around the battlefield. I would just move her over there, boom, gone. Yeah. And just shoot him off attack. the board. Yeah. Just used her to wrap up stuff. It went really well. It was still close, but I did table him. I got all four giants and I won by a point. Nice. Because we were talking about, you know, there's no rule anymore when you table somebody. You can still lose if you don't have the points. Right. Yeah. So when you so, table your, that opponent, you still get to keep playing the game. Yes. You can still collect battle tactics, assuming they're eligible. You can collect yes. objectives. If you table them early enough, right, you should be able to grab yeah. everything, but... There are instances where that yeah. person has collected enough points. And yes, and that's what it was early on. But it was really satisfying to be able, especially as a player against as good as Justin is. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday in the one day, uh, talking about that, I had three games. I had one against Zach. He brought trolls. It was just naughty, man. He and I had some really good conversation before and after. And first turn Durthu, and he had a unit of nine river trolls. Or nine of the stone trolls, sorry. Yep. And I God, killed that unit. I killed six of them. Boom. Done. Right? And then I wanted to leave him alone because if I killed him, he's going to bring him back, right? But then on the second turn, now this was the highlight of the game. I did lose this game, by the way, listeners, was I dropped the tree. I deep struck back by his loon shrine. And I charged so that I got in contact with Scragrot and the Loon Shrine. I demolished the Loon Shrine. Oh, good. Which kept him from doing his grand strategy, which he had. My mistake, which I learned from, was when you have a high-value target like that, you just put everything into it. Because he had his Gobblepalooza next to it, and I thought, oh, I could pick some of those I guys can, off. I get both of them. No, don't be greedy. <laughs> and I could have killed Scragrot, so that would have been amazing getting both of those things. And that might have made a very different game because now if I'm picking off a unit of three of the river trolls, you can't bring them back. You know, you can't bring back that unit of nine that it took down to three. So it would have been uh, different. The thing with that list was though, he had so many threat pieces. He had that unit of nine and he had like four or five units of three river trolls. Yeah, so his list was a trog boss and a regular cold trog. In the Trog Heavy Battalion, mm-hmm. he had Scragrot, two Fungoid Shamans, and I think it was the Galapuzer or something like that was in the Warlord Battalion. Yep. Then he had four by three Fellwater Trogs mm-hmm. and one by nine Rock Guts, <sighs> which was in Galatian Veterans. Yes. And then 
two of the Fellwaters were Inglation veterans as well because you have to fill it out and you know right. it didn't matter at that point, right? The nine is what you want in that unit. I played him round three. Yeah. And yeah, yeah and the Gobble Blues are right. Brutal, brutal <laughs> list. So I felt okay about that. Oh, you know, and the spider end was spelled. Oh yeah, that's, the, that's that thing. Was- and here's the thing with that list, or any I think gets list, is I know the one big weakness of my army is I have no ward saves, literally. So he was just dropping Scragrot got off a spell, dropping eight or ten mortals. You know, the spider thing did another five or six mortals, and it was just mortal wound me everywhere down that I couldn't everywhere, heal everywhere, on everywhere. regrowth fast enough. And so anyway, good game. And then the second game I played Jake and his Night Haunt. And that went really that a, well. That was a close looking game. Ooh. And it was for a while. I think we were at the top of three, maybe. And he had nine spirit hosts and a unit of, I think he had about 15 chain rasps left. I had taken out, he had a unit of 20 blade guys. And he did a really fun thing at the beginning. He took this huge gamble and he deep struck them right in front of my base with my war song. Mm-hmm. And he made the charge. But he didn't kill the war song. So then I was able with Drycha and with the Tree Lord and with the War Song all back on them. I killed all 20. They were gone. 20, that big brick of 20. And that was a huge piece for him. And then what I was able to do was pick away at the other pieces. He had a Hex Wraith. He had a Coven Throne. Again, I was able to pick off those pieces on the edges. Mm -hmm. Because as fast as he could move, I was able to move faster with my teleporting. It was good practice for me because I was using the overgrown stuff for teleport as well. Yeah. At first, I wasn't doing that. But hey, I can do it there too. I don't just have to use Wildwoods to teleport. It went really well. And we called it at that point because I had all four of my tree lords. And, well, if you include Drycha. And I had Durthu and Drycha ready to just shoot and pounce on his nine spirit hosts yeah. and they would have just disappeared even with their four up save although that was frustrating as hell i had durthu that went into his hex rays and i'm like i got these guys two wounds apiece right i had like five attacks that got through he rolled four ups on every one of them I'm like no it's just crazy you were particularly well equipped to deal with a lot of his list right just by having the war song right he identified mm-hmm. the threat piece being the war song correctly yes your ability to place a tree with the tree lord ancients and then if you can blow out the heroes, right? You know this as a long-standing Night Haunt player. Yes. Blow out the heroes, and then you pick up the rest of the army as you go. Like, yep. Yeah, because the only immediate threat was that brick of Blake guy. Once I dealt with that, I had a little bit more leadway to make decisions. Yep. And then the third game was against uh, Jake. Elon Techless oh. list. Oh, Alex. I should have been afraid. Be very afraid, you know? But... Hey, I felt like I had the tools, and he put himself in a position where I was able to charge Teclas with Durthu. I had six attacks, again. I was going on threes and twos, because he had minus one to hit or something, and Mm. I rolled all ones and twos. I got one through, he rolled a four-up save, I got a Talon through, so Durthu charging, I did three wounds on Teclas. The game was over. (laughs) And he got second turn, but... Again, I didn't feel like that game just was out of my control from the beginning. And so that was a really good feeling with this list. And just had a great time. I know that you did. Just hanging out with everybody. And it was really wonderful. He and his wife opened their home up. There were eight of us who played down there in that basement. And we had a great time, I think. Everybody had a good day. Yeah, it was a fun day. Really, really cool. 
So that's that one there. Moving on to events, Adepticon, less than two weeks now. We're coming up really quick, man. You're the one who's got to do all the work. At this point for me, it's just I have three or four different systems I'm going to be playing. So now this is the time when I start going back over rules for like free blades and witchborn and stuff just so i'm familiar enough when i jump into these events to look yeah. at the rules and then you got to be ready for sunday right you gotta oh run yeah your... yep run that young bloods and i think doug and i are ready we've got everything you got eight right eight yeah which is great I and mean, if all show up that's eight times what we had last year because we had ellis ended up being the only guy ended up playing because two of our players went over to the big game and we're playing in your tournament yep. and so if we get eight it would really be a huge move for that event and really exciting good stuff 220 sellout for champs oh. plus, plus the wait list i have oh man you know, you've got 200 plus players and teams right 50 plus teams yes you've got 50 plus in Dawnbringer on Saturday for AOS, like you know, you've got eight for Youngbloods on Sunday. Like this isn't counting Warcry, this isn't counting right. Underworld, this isn't counting the narrative stuff. Like this is just, I'll call it vanilla Warhammer. Sigmar is just right. the volume of Sigmar players at Adepticon is so cool. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing how big it's gotten, and it continues to grow. Like with Dawnbreaker being added in addition to all the other stuff, yeah, and that it got filled up. So cool. It says a lot for yeah, it the popularity up, and then of the we game. Open spaces for more Dawnbringer. Yeah. Right? Like so cool. And then, you know, we talked about events. We got Rubicon in about a month and a half, and you got your KC open stuff. I don't think there's anything else since the last show that's it's been really popped up. Yeah. No, not that I've Nothing seen. Nothing we haven't talked about. Mm-hmm. So that's about it for Whispers, man. Yep. Woof. Moving right on. And we will be back with our Emperor Lies discussion of Karadran Overlords. Man, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. We are going to start with opening thoughts on the KO book. Brendan, what do you think? I am well known for really disliking Karadran Overlords, second behind Skaven. Yes. So the secret cabal that voted me into having to play Skaven... <laughs> Felt that it would be funniest for me to play Caradron Overlords <laughs> and have no practice with Skaven. This is kind of like extra judicial in terms of what my requirements to Rantathon were. Yeah. So, of course. I want everyone to understand how much suffering I've done in exchange for that money. Um, so, I have, I'll call it mild trauma in respects to playing against Caradron Overlords. Sure, as um, do many people. So obviously I played three games. Yes. And we'll call it a first reactions go at this. This is, I've you know thought about it, I've played it yep. for a while. It still feels like Caradron Overlords, which I personally am not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Right? I believe that shooting in Age of Sigmar is a very difficult thing to balance, and I think some of that balance is still difficult to find in here. Mm-hmm. The difference is, is some of the worst feel-bads of this army are gone or have been modified in such a way where it has been reduced significantly. Kind of like when we talked about Luminath, right? Yes. There are going to be armies that are going to, and we'll talk about in closing thoughts as we get the full picture portrayed to it, that are going to have a very difficult time dealing with some of what Caradron Overlords does. Yes. The difference is, is that you now have much more valid ways and reasons to play other units from this book kind of 
in line with what we've seen from other 3.0 books that come out. For instance, the frigate having a very different role from what the Ironclad does mm-hmm. is awesome. Yes. The way that they handle embarking and disembarking and some of your different kind of tricks and things like that that go along with it mm-hmm. are really cool. There are some trade-offs that you are going to have to take to do different things. You run out of points quick. Mm-hmm. Your armies are small, so you have to be very judicious in what you do. There are some things in here that are obvious, right? You know, yeah. when, like we're going to talk about like what thunderers do. Yes, like sure. Yes, um, <laughs> right. For me, it's kind of a mixed bag. It still does a lot of the things that I really don't like, but that's probably just a personal perspective on it. Okay. Because reading through it, there are things in here that I do think are really nice changes that are really interesting and i don't mean from the oh well they're much worse now like there are actually more compelling reasons to take units like sky wardens and engine riggers again Mm -hmm. you know without feeling like you're an idiot for Mm -hmm. doing so more viable units in the book yeah it is a very familiar feeling book but the devil's in the details well and you know my first thought on this is that as i'm looking through the units one of our kind of keystones when we judge you know how good a book is is are more units or most of the units in this book viable or not or are you going to have this mono build thing and i think it meets that criteria yeah that the changes in the units the changes in the rules have made more units units that you'll want to take and you want to try different builds with this army which is really great because that means you're going to see different builds you know in tournament play and in casual play which is what you want yep 100%. And so I think that's really cool. I had my single and only experience playing KO against Joe, and it lasted like 30 minutes, and it was done, right? And so it's like... Yeah, this book still can do that. Yeah. My initial take, again, is I don't like armies that don't allow your opponent to engage in the game. That everything's so quick, you're done, you're overwhelming them, especially if you're a high-end player, you know, high-quality player like you are, or a lot of people who are very competitive. They can just take this army and leaf blow somebody off the board, and it's done. And the person's still going going, wait a minute, is this this a game I'm participating in? And I don't like that piece of it for my first impression. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm certainly going to be talking about as we go through this book are kind of counterplays, and maybe that'll be more in the final, and that'll the be final great. thoughts. In some of these instances, when you look at how it pieces together, there are going to be times where you go, well, what can I possibly do about that? And Well, that's something I wanted to ask you before you finish, is what do you see at this point as counters to what this is? And we'll talk about that. Yeah, so... There's not a lot of these models, right? You know, right. The, the way that you win games is by holding objectives. Mm-hmm. And you can force a Caradon Overlord's player into some very tough decisions where, as we go through this and we talk about my game three against Zach and his trolls, Yes, I was borrowing Zach's Caradron Overlords. He's the one who <laughs> brought me to really fear the Blueberry Boys. Yes. His yeah. are a candy chrome blue. Yeah. Yep, yep. You know, so him and I had a great game because... He was playing the game basically with me, and I was mm-hmm. playing the game, you know, basically with him. Sure. And we're both playing each other's armies together at the same time, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I was very high on trolls. If anyone listened to episode yes. one sixteen, yeah, he loves his boat boys. Yes, he does. But I think he loves trolls now. He could not stop talking to me about how much he was enjoying painting the trolls and all the details and everything else he was going to do he'd ordered like a bazillion mushrooms to put on the bases and he was just loving that and such an enthusiastic it guy. was really cool to see him so excited about I something miss like having that him, he used to live you know not yeah. too far from us right you know now he's 
over elsewhere. I miss, you know, running into him yes. all the time and things like that. Yeah. So that was always the tough part, right? With yeah. like you'd get absolutely murdered by his boats. <laughs> but like, you know, he'd be there next to you like having a good time. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to be over there. What are you yeah. doing over here? Yeah, you know, until you played Zach, you don't understand that it actually can feel okay getting beaten up in this game because he just makes it enjoyable he's very frenetic when he plays you have to be prepared for that he's very energetic and he moves quickly and he makes quick decisions but it's still fun to play against him so very cool stuff but anyways anyway on to the actual battle tone we talked about sky ports are the sub factions there's six of those we'll go over each one of those individually but brendan you're going to talk to us a little bit more in detail about two significant things here, which are embarking and disembarking from these boats. Yep. So before this was governed by the garrison rules, which was incredibly unclear, in a Caradon Overlord's army, transport vessels keyword can embark units as described below. So your transport vessels are your frigates, your ironclad, you can make your gun haulers transport vessels, but you have to do something special to do right. that. Right. So and we'll talk about so, that. Yeah. For most of you, and most of these instances, we're talking about frigates and ironclads. The, mm-hmm. the big boat and the medium boat. Yep. Battleships and cruisers. Yep. yep. <laughs> for you Navy guys. <laughs> so embarking during deployment instead of setting up a Skyfarer's unit. So this is all of your foot troops. So mm-hmm. the Bubble Boys have the Skyfarer keyword. The Heroes have the Skyfarer keyword. So this is everything except for boats. Mm-hmm. Instead of setting up on the battlefield, you can say that it is embarked in a friendly transport vessel that is already on the battlefield. If you do so, place that Skyfarer unit to one side. Cool. So they're in the boat. Mm-hmm. And the boats have transport capacities. Yep. Frigates have 12, and then ironclads have 22. Sure. In addition, in the movement phase, if a friendly Skyfarer unit finishes a move wholly within three inches of a friendly transport vessel, and both of those units are more than three inches from all enemy units, you can say that that transport vessel will embark that Skyfarer unit. If you do so, remove the Skyfarer unit from the battlefield and place it to one side. Mm-hmm. A designer note, a transport vessel can embark a Skyfarer unit even if that transport vessel has moved in the same phase. Wow. So you okay. can move the boat to where you know you want to load them up you can put your guys inside yep. and go from there which is very cool each transport vessel has a limit on that number of models it can embark a transport vessel cannot embark a unit if doing so would exceed its limit and i just wanted to comment that i know a big thing in 40k when i played early on was that if you wanted to embark on a transport it had to have not moved and then you can move on to it and then you can move it right mm-hmm. so this is different than that so even if it's moved to you you can get into it yep. and that's really really nice flexibility for the player while units embarked in a transport vessel the following rules apply embarked units are still treated as being on the battlefield range and visibility to and from models in an embarked unit are instead measured to and from the transport vessel in which the units embarked in addition for the purpose of determining visibility models in an embarked unit are treated as models that can fly mm-hmm. so basically measuring to the ironclad or the frigate correct and from the ironclad and the frigate embarked units are in cover so cool so that That gives you the bonus to save, unless you charged. Mm -hmm. In addition, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks that target embarked units. So basically the garrison rule. Yep. So you're plus one to save and minus one to hit, essentially. That's pretty good. That is. Models in an embarked unit cannot contest objectives. Yep, there were questions yesterday about that, so that's Mm -hmm. really good to clarify that. You know. Thankfully, the frigates and the ironclads count as five, so Mm -hmm. you're not giving up a ton by doing this. Right. I guess you have 22 models inside, so maybe. (laughs) Maybe you uh, are, yeah. Embarked units cannot move. However, when a transport vessel finishes any type of move, all units embarked in it are considered to have made the same type of move. Now, this is very important because there are things that interact with having made a certain kind of move, the role of that move. So, like, for instance, one of the things that people want to do right now is give Tusk Helm to a hero, launch them out of a frigate, 
because the mm. frigate can basically quickly disembark units. And that's not the case. They have made a charge move, but there is no charge roll for that unit. The thing uh. that made the roll is the Sky Vessel. So when we talk about the Admiral, he's got a command ability that affects the Sky Vessel and gives the Sky Vessel special approvals, but not the units inside. Okay. We'll talk about that when we get there. So yep. it is different to talk about the Sky Vessel, the Transport Vessel, same thing, versus the units that are inside. So they have counted as making the same kind of move, but they don't always have the same kind of permissions. Okay. In your movement phase, if a friendly Skyfair unit so is... So this is disembarking. This is, yes, this okay. is disembarking. Okay. In your movement phase, if a friendly Skyfair unit is embarked in a transport vessel that has not yet moved in that phase, you can say that the Skyfair unit will disembark. So before you move your boat, your guys inside can get out. If you do so, set up that Skyfair unit wholly within three inches of that transport vessel and more than three inches from all enemy units. A unit that disembarks in this way can still move in the same turn. Mm -hmm. Movement four, so... And your balloon boys are movement 12, so yeah, that's okay. a little more advantageous. Sure. If a friendly transport vessel is destroyed before removing it from play, roll a number of dice equal to the number of models embarked in it. For each roll of one, one embarked model is slain. You choose which models are slain. Then all units embarked in that transport vessel must immediately disembark before it is removed from play. When a unit disembarks, if a model cannot be set up wholly within three inches of the transport vessel in which it embarked and more than three inches from all enemy units, it is slain as well. There's a lot of clarity in that. I'm sure there's some edge case that I haven't thought of or considered here that you know will still need to be answered. But this is abundantly more clear than what it used to be. Brendan, as I look at this, I picture something that would cause everything in there to be slain. So let's say I charge a boat. Yep. And I can put units around the entire base. Mm -hmm. If I destroy the boat, those guys can't be set up wholly within three, right? Yeah, so they would all die, right? Isn't that correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Yes, there's ways to just bring it all down. Okay. Bring right. that whole boat crashing into okay. nothingness. So, okay. Yeah. The next thing we have is sticking to the code. So, when you choose a carriage on Overlord's Army, you can pick one article, which is kind of a big rule, an amendment, a medium rule, <laughs> and a footnote, which is a once per battle of rule. Of course. Dan, we're going to read through all of each all of, of the ones. Sure. But let's, uh, we'll start with articles. So, Dan, what's your favorite article here? Article honors everything. Okay. And I look at the number of models and, you know, the fact that it's important to, because you talked about how expensive stuff can get, how so quickly expensive. it add up. I mean, if you take two frigates and two units of Arcanauts, you're at 800 points already. Yeah. Like, boom, you know, you're almost halfway there. So I think the preservation of models, especially the walking kind or the balloon boys, whoever it is, is really important. So honor is everything when a friendly KO unit receives the rally command, you can return one slain unit for each four up instead of a six. That's huge for anybody so i actually took honors everything okay in, yeah that's what i like to yep and i found that i was lacking i only got to use it once during the game mm -hmm. i would have much preferred to have settle the grudges okay after deployment but before the first battle round begins pick one enemy unit add one to wound rolls for attacks made uh, by friendly yeah. ko units that target that units sure for instance pretty much in every single one of my games there would have been one unit that i would have loved to have had plus one wound i had the triumph for plus one to wound yes. you know, in one of the specific phases. So like that was really good, that was really useful, mm. but being able to effectively do it once all the time <laughs> against the unit that needs to die sure. would have been much more useful. I definitely would have wanted that against the, uh, the Rock Guts. Okay. Or when I played Nick Raverty round two, either his Chosen or his Knights, either mm -hmm. or, right? Probably his knights. You want I, that plus one. I knew one. that that was going to be you know, what was going to send in. Sure. And then I could hold off the plus one triumph against the chosen first game against cruel boys. Probably the sludge raker boss mm -hmm. would have been the target of 
that's got to die. Okay. So, Dan, why don't you talk about the last one? The last one's Master of the Skies. Add two inches to the move characteristics of friendly sky vessels. It's okay. fine. Yeah. We'll preview some of my thoughts here. I think every unit in this book is good. I don't understand what gun haulers do. Okay. Got it. Uh, so, yeah. I don't really know the rules for gun haulers. Gun haulers are 12. Okay. Okay, yeah. So, they'll move 14. Okay. So, next up is amendments. Yeah. Which one did you pick? So, I brought Prosecute with All Haste. Once sure. per turn in your movement phase, uh, when you make a run roll for a carriage on Overlord's unit, you can roll 2d6 instead of a single dice. Excellent. I really liked it. I would take that again. Basically, you can use the frigate as like a super assault boat. Sure. And you can just send it all the way across the board and deliver your payload to exactly where your opponent doesn't want it. Yeah, and the reason I didn't pick that one, but that one is really good too, is because there's a lot of run and shoot in this book. And so now if you can run 2d6... That they really extends your shooting range. Yes. Hugely. What I did was always take what you're owed at the start of your hero phase, pick one friendly Arcanaut company unit until the start of your next hero phase. Each model in that unit counts as two models instead of one for the purpose of contesting objectives. And we always talk about the importance of focusing on objectives. I just think that's really useful. Yeah. Anytime you can do that, especially when you've only got, let's say, three or four sky vessels in your army, you've got to have something that's going to be able to take objectives from your opponent so the last one is trust to your guns what about that one yeah so once per turn in your shooting phase you can reroll one hit roll of one for an attack made by a friendly carriage on overlord's unit that's kind <laughs> of odd unless you're gambling on one very important shot yeah that seems like very niche unless something's got one wound left and you have to be able to make that finally we have footnotes which are the once per battle you talked about i picked there's no reward without risk that was what was in my list okay once per battle in your charge phase you can attempt to charge with one friendly ko unit within 18 inches of the enemy if you do so roll 3d6 instead of 2d6 so yeah yeah. i'm how important is 3d6 charging in this game right now pretty important yeah (laughs) <laughs> so the other one that I liked is there's no trading with some people. Yeah, that one's good, yeah. Once per battle at the end of the enemy shooting phase, pick one friendly Skyfarer's unit that was targeted by any shooting attacks in that phase. That unit can immediately shoot. Too nice. Yeah. Now, it requires your opponent to have things with a shooting profile. Of course. And it's got to shoot at something that's on foot. Yes. Still. But, you know, if you shoot at the Thunderers... They're going to shoot back. Yeah. And then the last one was without our ships, we are not. Once per battle, at the start of any phase, pick one friendly sky vessel. That unit can receive two commands in that phase instead of only one. Okay. That one's really good, you know, because the next thing we're going to talk about is Iron Sky command abilities. Yes. And, you know, there's a couple that you'd probably want to be able to, to use in sequence, potentially. Mm-hmm. Or you want to all-out attack and all-out defense a boat. Or, you know... You have all these other things that you want to potentially be able to do that are dependent on, hey, like, we need to do these things at the same time. Yes. So let's move on to command abilities. Now, one of the things I found interesting here is the only unit that can issue these is the admirals. Or the sky vessels. Or sky vessels themselves, yep. right. But you can't have other... Other uh, heroes issue those to... Specific, these specific ones. These yes. book-specific ones, right. A little bit limited, but I'm sure... You can figure all that out. So we're going to do all three of these. Yep. Which one did you pick first? So the first one that's most important is Fly High. Yes. You can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly sky vessel unit more than three inches from all enemy units. Can't do it out of combat anymore. Remove that unit from the battlefield and set it up anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units and more than one inch from all terrain features. That's so useful. Jeez. You drop in, shoot at somebody, move away. This is at the end of your movement Oh, phase. end of movement. Yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Then we have combat landing. You can use this command ability at the end of your movement phase again. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly transport vessel. Has to have that keyword. Any units embarked in that transport vessel can immediately disembark. A unit that disembarks in this way cannot move in the same turn. So one of the things that you can do is without our ships we are not is use fly high and then combat landing because <sighs> these are issued to the sky vessel. Sure. Those are two commands that you would give it to it in the same phase, right? So mm-hmm. chuck it up in the sky, you land where you want to land, you get all your guys out, and now you're in business. Sure. The last one is disengage. You can use this command ability in your movement phase. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly sky vessel unit that has not yet moved in that phase. That unit, any embarked in it, can retreat and still shoot later in the turn. Same thing. You can disengage and then fly high using without our ships, we are not. Mm-hmm. That's a really good footnote. Okay. So the next thing that we'll do is we're going to end up talking about heroes. Yep. So, Brennan, we got two leaders here. Do you want to talk about Brock or the Admiral? I'll talk about the Admiral because I think more people are going to end up running the Admiral. Brock is keyword locked into Barracknar. Now, obviously, you can take him in other lists, but mm-hmm. your biggest benefit is the Barracknar subfaction. Okay. Brock Grunson is the first leader we're going to talk about. He has a move of 12, 8 wounds, 3 up save, 8 bravery. He has 2 missile weapons, which is what this army is all about. Both have 18-inch range. The first one is the Boast, which is 1 attack, 3 by 2s, minus 2 rend, D3 plus 3 damage. That's pretty good. And then he has the Magnate's Charter, which is 6 attacks, 3 by 3s, minus 1, and still 2 damage. And then if you get close, he has an Ethermatic Saw, which is 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3 by 2s, minus 2, D3 three damage. He is a war master, so he can be a general in terms of command and that kind of stuff. But only in Barracknar. Yep, only in Barracknar. Yep, he is locked in, as you said. A mustache-mounted ether blaster. That's just so silly. Each time, and they're actually on the model, too, so each time this unit fights, after all its attacks have been resolved, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and roll a die. On a two-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. First rule of Grungson. So if this unit made a charge move in the same turn, add one to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly Barracknar Skyfarer units while they are wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Okay, pretty good. Yeah. But not that this army is known for its close combat (laughs) abilities, but you're going to talk about that. There are some units that do it really well. Yep. And then we have Command the Fleet. You can use this command ability at the start of your movement phase. Up to three friendly sky vessels that are more than three inches from all enemy units can receive the command. In that phase, you can re-roll run rolls for the units that receive the command. In addition, the units that receive the command can run and still shoot and or charge later in that turn. That is so good, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Shoot. Run and shoot for this army. Boo. That's brutal. And charge. Yeah, and that's three of them, too. Yeah. So the chances that you're going to have three Sky Vessels that want to do that in a single list is pretty low. Okay. Brock's 220. He's very fighty, right? You know, frigates are 300 points. Ironclads are 500. Gun haulers are 170. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's all well and good, but the chances of you having three boats right. in is <laughs> right. in a regular 2,000-point game, right? You know, if you're playing a huge game, right, you know, you're playing right. 5,000 points. Sure. Yeah. You're going to have a fleet. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Like, he's going to be on his ironclad. You're going to have your frigates that are, you know, nearby. Of like, course. Yeah, that's cool. Like, the fact that he does so much damage in shooting, he does so much damage in combat, or has the potential to, and can buff up your fighty units mm-hmm. is really cool. It's such a bummer that it's Barak Nar keyword lock. Right. 
because there's a sub-faction that really benefits charging. Yeah. It's not Barracknar. Okay, uh, fair enough. Yeah, so next up we have is the Admiral. He's your main hero, right? He's able to command the Sky Vessels in addition to the Sky Vessels themselves. 4-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 6 wounds. He's got a Masterwork Volley Pistol, 9-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, run 1, damage 2. And then the Scalf Hammer, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 2s, run 2, damage 3. Yeah. He's beefy. Pretty punchy, yeah. He's got the Admiral's flagship. If this unit is the general of a Caradon Overlord's army, you can pick one Ironclad or Frigate to be the flagship. You record it on your army roster. Once per turn, if this unit can issue a command to its flagship without a command point being spent. Oh, wow. Super useful. Free command point. But to that boat specifically, right. and it's got to come from this Admiral specifically. Sure. Okay. It's really good, though. Yeah. He's got Grudge Breaker rounds. Once per battle at the start of your shooting phase, you can pick one friendly Caradron Overlord's unit that is not a Sky Vessel and that is wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Till the end of that phase, improve the Ren characteristic of that unit's missile weapons by one. The same unit cannot be picked to benefit from this ability more than once per phase. No, Brendan, if he's embarked on a boat with... A shooting unit. Yes. That would apply as well as one that's on the ground. Yeah. And we'll talk about the chemist because the chemist can't do this. So the once per battle, he can pick any unit that's wholly within 12 inches of... Okay. It could be a unit on another boat if there are two boats close together. Yeah. Okay. All right. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I don't know how he tosses the ammunition to them, <laughs> but I guess he does. <laughs> then he has two command abilities, bring every gun to bear. You can use this command ability at the start of your shooting phase. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly sky vessel that is more than three inches from all enemy units that has remained stationary in the preceding movement phase and did not receive the fly high command in the That's preceding phase. a lot of phase. conditions, okay. It's very tough to pull off. And in practice, it's not that good. Okay. Add one of the attacks characteristics of this unit's missile weapons until the end of that phase. Mm. So you have to be out of combat, you cannot have moved, and you cannot have used fly high. And if your boat's in that position, then cool. But yeah. you're also giving up all attack mm -hmm. on your boat now. You can yeah. always use the once per battle receive two commands footnote. Mm. Or, uh, yeah, which, it's footnote, yeah. Which is cool, but... You know, I don't know that you'd be using that because the setup for it is so difficult. Sure. He has Command the Skies, which is basically a baby version of what Brock does. Yeah. You can use this command ability at the start of your movement phase. The unit that receives the command must be a friendly Sky Vessel unit more than three inches from all enemy units. That unit can reroll run rolls for this phase. In addition, that unit can run and still shoot and or charge later in the turn. So he can do it to one vessel instead of three, yep. like Brock can. That's the difference, okay. And, and that's going to be much more applicable. Okay. One of the things that I found, and I used this in my first game against Cruel Boys, was I gave it to my frigate. Mm -hmm. And I gave it run and charge. Now, what's important here is it's the sky vessel gets run and charge and shoot, not the guys inside. Mm -hmm. So the guys inside cannot shoot because they've completed a run roll. You know, they've made a run move without the additional permission of being able to still run and shoot Correct. or charge. The boat will make the charge move. And there's some other things that make it work, and then you're in combat and everything's fine. But the guys inside wouldn't be able to shoot, just the boat. Okay. All right, now this next guy, I really like just just the idea of him, the character and in the lore and stuff, but his rule's kind of fun, too. I'm thinking of something that'd be fun to do. So this is Drecky Flint, and Drecky is basically an adventurer who goes around looking for goodies, is what he does. He's captain of the... Ale sling, so that's a boat. You can pick one Barrack Mornar Arcanaut Frigate, so that's another one of the Sky Ports, in your army to be the Aisling. The unit you pick can also be picked to be a flagship. Record this information, add one to the damage characteristics of that unit's boarding weapons. That's okay. neat. Yeah. Yeah, so right, he's keyword locked. 
fine. His flagship has to be a frigate. Cool. But, like, you can also take an admiral that is still the general, and they get to pick another boat to mm-hmm. be the flagship. So you... Sure. You could have two flagships, as it were. Yeah, yeah kind of. Except this isn't quite a flagship. Yeah. It's a special named boat. Right. Yeah. Uh, this one's let me drive. He can reroll run rolls and charge rolls made for the Aisling while this unit is embarked in it. Cool. Auxiliary Skyhook. Each time this unit fights, after all its attacks have been resolved, you can pick one enemy monster within three inches of this unit and roll a die. On a two-up, that monster suffers three wounds. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And then we have light-fingered, which I think is really fun. So at the start of the combat phase, if this unit is within one inch of an enemy hero that has an artifact of power, you can say that Drekki will try to borrow that artifact. If you do so, roll a dice. On a three-up, the artifact of power can no longer be used. If a weapon was picked, then it becomes a normal weapon. This ability cannot be used while this unit is embarked. Of course, here I'm thinking would be really fun if you could work it out to get him just like right in Durthu's face roll that three up and all of a sudden the gladius goes away it would be worth it i'm telling you but getting rid of the gladius for Durthu is just huge yeah for 130 it's not bad right you know he's just north of what an admiral is he's kind of an admiral he's kind of not you're right he doesn't have the keyword to be an admiral but he does some similar things it's at the start of the combat phase yes yeah and i'm sure there are plenty of artifacts in the game that are very powerful that if you could get rid of it oh man that is really a cool rule just yeah. awesome i love that you're really hoping you're still there after the monster <laughs> to do the three mortal wounds yeah, of course but his gun is unbelievable yeah so he's got two profiles this is the ethermatic equalizer <laughs> It's awesome. Nine inch range. Mark three. Mark three, of course. It's 2d6, three by threes, minus one, two damage. Yeah. Nine inch range, so you gotta get in close. Oh, yeah. But for a pistol, that is pretty cool. That's nuts. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty cool. It looks like it's built into his hand when you look at the model. I think that's what it is. Mm -hmm. It's got like three barrels and stuff. Very cool. And then he's got his Grunson's axe, two inch range, three attacks, three by twos, minus two. Two damage. I'd consider taking him mm. outside of Barrack Mornar. That's just a good character. Mm-hmm. Put him in a mm-hmm. frigate, you yeah. know, give him some guys in his boat where he's going to jump out with them. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. Yeah, very neat. He's new too, right? Like we he's been new to the pro- book, yeah. Yes. So he's been out for a little bit, right? Yeah. With with just like a generic Game yeah. Workshop release. So, but that is just a cool, cool thing. Yeah. All right. Next up is Endron Master with Dirigible Suit. 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 8 wounds. They have the Aether Cannon, which is 18-inch range, 1 attack, 3s by 2s, Ren 2 damage, D3. Mm. And then the Suit Weapon Battery, 18-inch range, 6 attacks, 3s by 3s, Ren 1 damage, 1. The Aether Matic Saw, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 2s, Ren 2 damage, D3. Mm-hmm. He can fly. He's an Endron Master. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick a friendly Sky Vessel within one inch of this unit and heal up to three wounds allocated to that Sky Vessel. I would assume that was probably one he was embarked on. Probably. Probably, but yeah. not necessarily, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, he could just be next to it. Right? Yeah, you know? true. And then he's got, by Grungi, I have my eye on you. You had one to field repair roll made for friendly Edrin and Riggers units while they're wholly within 12 inches of this unit. Sure. That's cool. Yeah. Because, you know, we'll get to it. Basic repairs trigger on a four up and special repairs trigger on a six up. Mm-hmm. So basically it moves basic repairs to a three up and advanced repairs to a five up. Yeah. Nice. Cool. That's great. I don't know that you're going to be paying as much for the dirigible suit at 170. Right. Because the foot guy is 90. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that you're getting that much more out of the... For twice the price. Exactly. Okay, sure. 
We so. could get for that difference. You can almost get another unit of Arcanauts or something. I mean, that's yeah, that's you know, a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Another eighty points. That now I want you to talk about the Navigator because I know you used him a lot yesterday, and the model is just insanely cool. A so. really good control piece. The thing to keep in mind, right, is that this is a eighty-five point model. Yes. Four inch move, three up save for every seven five wounds. Fine. Standard Galatian champion stuff here. Yeah. He's got his ranging pistol, 15 inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, ren one, damage one, which is obviously he's going to be your critical piece to killing something. <laughs> sure. And he hits him with his Zephyr scope, one inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, no ren damage one. Yeah, he is a combat hero for sure. He's basically yeah. a wizard. Is what yeah, is. right, right. So he has Aether Sight. This model can attempt to dispel one endless spell at the start of your hero phase and attempt to unbind one spell in the enemy hero phase in the same manner as a wizard. Cool. He's got Read the Winds. In your hero phase, you can say that one friendly unit with this ability will read the winds, roll six dice, then pick one of the following effects. So if you have a bunch of navigators, you only get to pick one. You don't get to mm -hmm. pick... Right. You know, if you take four of them, you don't get to do this four yeah, times. Yeah, one friendly unit with this ability, right? Yes. Aether Storm. For each roll of one, pick one different enemy unit within 30 inches of this unit and visible to this unit. That enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Roll separately for each unit. In addition, if any mortal wounds caused by this ability are allocated to an enemy unit and not negated, have that unit's move characteristic until the start of your next hero phase. Sweet. That's rough. Yep. The other option is favorable conditions. For each roll of six, pick one friendly Sky Vessel unit within 30 inches of this unit and visible to it. That Sky Vessel can make a normal move of D3 plus 3 inches. Roll separately for each Sky Vessel. Aether Storm is good. Mm -hmm. You pick the units you want to pick, pin them in place. 30 inches is a huge range. Huge. Yeah. The enemy stuff is just within. I just find it funny that you're actually going to want to roll ones. Yeah. <laughs> which is unusual in this game. There's a way to make it more reliable, right? But with six dice, on average, you're going to be rolling one one and one six. Mm -hmm. and you're going to make your choices. I didn't find a lot of value in the sixes just because of how fast a lot of your stuff is naturally. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, you know, if it's what you roll, it's what you roll, and, you know, you'll take what you get in many cases. Sure, that makes sense. The next one's the Code Right. Yeah, the Lawyer. Yeah, because <laughs> kind of cool four-inch move, five wounds, straight up save, eight bravery. He has an Ether Shot pistol, 12-inch range, two attacks, three by threes, minus one, one. And then he has a Battle Tome. In the Battle Tome. He's <laughs> <laughs> one-inch range, one attack, three by fours, no Ren, D3 damage. And the question, listeners, is... Hit him with the book. Which Battle Tome does he carry around? Okay, the first one, he has a rule called Advisory Roll. At the start of your hero phase, if this unit is within six inches of another friendly KO hero, roll two dice, reach four up, you receive a command point. Cool. I think you'll find, is the next rule, you can carry out the following heroic action with this unit instead of any other heroic action you can carry out with it. Search for the precedent. Roll a dice on a one, nothing. On a two through three, you can pick a new footnote to apply to your army until the end of the battle. On a four up, you can pick a new footnote and or a new amendment to apply to your army until the end of the battle. You cannot pick a footnote or amendment previously picked and the new footnote or amendment replaces the current one. Now, can you do this more than once? Yes. Yes. So as long as you are not picking something you've picked before, mm -hmm. you're good to go. So obviously your footnotes are all once per battle. Mm -hmm. So with something like the co-write, you can have early spent your without our ships, we are not. It's already gone. You switch over to search for precedent. You're able to, you roll your two up. You can replace it with, there's no trading with some people. Cool, they shot at your thunders. You shot back. All right, you roll another two up. You know, you can put your 3d6 charging on them. And after that, there's no footnotes you can replace. 
So you're hoping at that point to roll four ups to replace your amendments and things like that. Right. Now, if you roll four up, you can replace both a footnote and an amendment I or think just an amendment or just a footnote. So good, Brendan, because you've got those footnotes that are once per battle. You could get all three of those very reasonably. Absolutely. Which is very cool. 90 points makes it very, like, usable. Yes. You have the extra opportunity to get more command points and... Mm-hmm. I can tell you from experience here, you're going to be looking for him. Okay, cool. Yeah. New addition, cool new hero. So next up, we have the Endrin Master with Endrin Harness. So he's on foot. Four-inch move, three-up save, bravery seven, six wounds. He has his Aethermite Hammer. One-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, ren one, damage three. Okay. He has II Captain. At the start of your hero phase, if this unit's embarked and has not yet used this Endrin Master ability, you can say that this unit will attempt to crank up the power. If you do so, roll a dice. On a 1, the transport vessel, which this unit is embarked on, suffers D3 mortal wounds, and the Endrin Master ability cannot be used by this unit in that phase. On a 2-up, until the end of the turn, you can use the top row of the transport Mm. vessel's damage table, regardless of how many wounds it has suffered. Wow. And then he has his Endrin Master ability. At the start of your hero phase, you can pick one friendly Sky Vessel unit within one inch and heal up to three wounds allocated to that Sky Vessel. This is one he's going to be embarked on. Okay, the, yeah. Uh, the yeah obviously, this character is keeping up with a boat is basically zero. <laughs> right. Or it's deployed with it and it's standing next to it. But I yeah. would think particularly like with an Ironclad, that would be very useful. But... You know, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, the Endrin Master makes Endrin Rigger's battle line. Yes. Which is good, because those are one of your premier combat units. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's 90 points. Yep. You know, he's right in line with all these other little tiny heroes. Yeah. I did not end up taking one. He was in my first pass of the list, and then I talked to Nick Raverty about what Navigator's doing. I was like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Sold. Yeah. Right, the next one is the Ether Chemist. He has four-inch move, five wounds, four-up save, and seven bravery. He has the Atmospheric Anatomizer, which is nine-inch range, 3d6 attacks. Oh, my. Four by four, minus two, one damage. And then Heavy Instruments, one-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, no rend, and one damage. So his first rule is Etheric Augmentation at the start of your shooting phase. If this unit is not embarked, you can pick one friendly Skyfarer's unit that is not embarked and is wholly within 12. Improve the Ren characteristic of that unit's missile weapons by one until the end of that phase. Sweet. Yep. Wow. So chemists were FAQ'd where they do not stack, mm-hmm. as they should. <laughs> but you can pair etheric augmentation with the Grudge Breaker rounds oh, yeah. from the Arcanaut Admiral to be yes. you know, one time during the game, yep. an extra Ren 2. Mm. The chemist, wow. though, you can use is every turn, mm-hmm. you know, that you are in and around and eligible and visible and, you know, able to do all of those fun things. Okay. And then we have atmospheric isolation. We have subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by enemy models that within three inch of any friendly units with this ability that are not embarked. Cool. Minus one to hit. Always good. Yeah. That's all the heroes. The only other hero in here is the... Warband. Yeah, the warband. Poof. They're kind of chemists, but not really. And then they're kind of every unit combined in a unit, but okay. not really. <laughs> like most of these, I don't super know maybe why you would be including them. Okay. So All right. Let's move on traits. to command traits. Yeah, what are you two, Brendan? First one I took is Stormcaller. Yes. While it's generals on the battlefield, you can re-roll any of the dice rolled when a friendly etheric navigator reads the winds. That seems useful. Yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. And then what else for you? That's where this got a lot tougher. <laughs> yeah. 
I'd probably go X Grunstock. Friendly Grunstock units have the battle line battlefield yeah. role. Yeah. In addition, once per turn, this general can issue a command to a friendly Grunstock unit without a command point being spent. Mm-hmm. So those are my two picks, and the reason I picked the Grunstock one is I look at those units and look at their shooting capabilities, and it's just frightening almost. When we get to them. Yeah, yeah it's... and so I thought that would be really nice if you want to issue that command. Oof, really, really good. So, yeah, those are the two that I picked as well. Okay. What about Inventions of the Skyports? Not a huge fan of the base artifacts here. Mm-hmm. There are a couple that are going to be useful in the context of what your meta is going to be, mm-hmm. right? So Voidstone Orb, Theoric Navigator only. Yep. Once yep. per battle when the bearer attempts to unbind a spell, you can say it will use the Voidstone Orb. Mm-hmm. If you do so, that spell is automatically unbound. Do not make an unbinding roll. Sure. That's pretty good. Yeah. The other one that I'll call my fun pick here is the Phosphorite Bomblets. Endron Master only. (laughs) Once per battle in your shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within six inches of the bear and roll a dice. On a two-up, that unit suffers one mortal wound, and you can roll another dice. Keep on rolling in this way until the target is destroyed or you roll a one. Okay. That could be pretty dangerous. If you're good at rolling two-ups, like... Yeah, and and the odds of that, yeah. (laughs) You could kill... Something significant. Yeah. Yeah. You really could. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The tension of that as you're, you know, rolling your fourth or fifth dice, you know, your opponent would just be like, oh my God. No, not another one. That was the tension, right? Where Ark in the Black, before his rule change, where you had to keep rolling two ups. Yes. Was if you got to a one up, it was over, right? So if that first roll of 10 dice, you had sixes in there, you're like, ooh. You got two fives. You got a four. You're going, oh, you're in trouble. (laughs) This just seems like it'd be fun that way. Strangely enough, listeners, those are my two picks as well, which always makes me feel good when I'm picking the same things that Brendan finds valuable. So I'll go with the third one. Yes, I'm going to do the same thing. So go ahead. You pick spell in a bottle, right? Yeah. So talk to me about how that one works. So pick one endless spell that does not belong to a faction. So that's the big change here. You can't take Warp Lightning Vortex. You can't take Mork's Mighty Mushroom. Right. You know, you... It has to be a generic endless spell out of the General's Handbook, essentially. Yes. There's a factor in here that makes this you know, less insane than it used to be. Okay. In addition, once per battle, in your hero phase, the bearer can automatically cast the spell that summons the endless spell. Do not make a casting roll, and it cannot be unbound. However, the bearer cannot control that endless spell. Uh, so taking something like Purple Sun... Jeez. You chuck it out there, and it's normal, wild rules. Right? Yes. So if you don't have a wizard, you don't have any opportunity to control it. Your opponent can. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where something like Arcane Tome would come in handy. Yes. The reality is on that one that if it's not one of those stationary ones, and it's not one of those ones that buff you, like it's your opponent's. Right. Effectively. Right. Gone are the days of the Warp Lightning Vortex. <laughs> yes. Poof. Yeah. I have been the victim of that, yes. Yeah bad. My pick was Celestium Burst Grenades. So once per battle at the start of your shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the bear, roll a dice. On a two-up, the ward rolls cannot be made for models in that unit in that phase. I was just thinking if somebody, you know, dropped the unit of Blight Lords or something in your backfield, and you had something close enough to get this off, it would be like, okay, no ward saves for you, man, and just... <laughs> Blow them off the field. I think that would be very useful against an army that has wards built in like that. Mm -hmm. Something like Nurgle. Yeah, there's some interesting choices in here, but a couple I think that are quite yeah. It's uh, it's compelling. It's so tough to pass up like just Arcane Tome. Yeah, sure. Having the ability to go Mystic Shield on units that you need to be durable Mm -hmm. is very tough to pass up. Yep. 
Agreed. So we have unique enhancements, great yep. engine works. Yep, so and these are for each class of, of ship. ship. So we have ironclads, frigates, gun haulers, battleships, cruisers, and destroyers. You can always include one great engine work as an extra enhancement. Yes. If you take additional artifact ones, you can choose extra engine works. Mm -hmm. There's a way to get other engine works and some right. factions and command traits and things like that. Mm -hmm. I really don't think you're going to be looking for multiples. I really don't like the frigates. Yeah. Okay. So we'll start with the ironclad then, Dan. Okay. What, what do you think? Okay, taking? so I picked the same for two ships. And this is just me thinking of you know, what happens when those ships do get blown up? Because eventually that may happen. Mm -hmm. So I pick Prudency Shoots. So if this unit is destroyed, you do not have to roll to see if models embarked in it are slain. And for an Ironclad, you could have 22 models in there. And having to roll those dice, if you roll bad and you have a, a negative spike, as it were, you could really destroy huge investment that's coming out of that boat if it's blown up. So you don't have to roll when they're disembarking. In addition, if this unit is destroyed, embarking is do not have to be set up more than three inches from all enemy units, which again, that's very useful because now you're not forced to put them at a position where you're going to lose them, you know, when you put them down. So I really like that one. Again, it's, if you can surround the boat, you can still, yeah. in such a way, you can still yeah. do it where they die, but yeah. I just think that's useful. How about you? The last word. Okay. At the end of the enemy charge phase, you can pick one enemy unit that finished a charge move in that phase within three inches of this unit. This unit can shoot at that enemy <laughs> unit with its great sky cannon, great sky hook, or great volume. Sure. Gun. This is in addition to... Unleash hell. Unleash hell. Wow. Double unleash hell. And then this wouldn't have Woof. the negative modifier of unleash hell. It's just a shooting attack. Okay. okay. So what's your second one, Dan? Oh, okay. I think I like... Given the other choices, mm -hmm. the Magnificent Omniscope and adding to this unit's move characteristic, why not make it a little bit more mobile? I think of the other choices, that was I liked. I am torn between a number of these in the Ironclad. I think the Ironclad has the best ones. Okay. One of the ones that I think is super fun is the Zonbar Corp Dealbreaker <laughs> Battle Ram. Sure. After this unit finishes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll. Oh, sure. For each four up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Yeah. You can pair that with your once per battle 3d6 charge. That's kind of neat. You really don't want your ironclad in combat. It's kind of junk. Like, it doesn't do anything. We'll get to the combat profiles of what most of the units are, and they're not very good. There are some combat units that are very good, but chances are you're not putting them in an ironclad. Let's go over to the frigates. The frigate has four, so yeah. we'll each pick one. Yep, and I pick prudency shoots again. Just mm -hmm. to try to save the models that are inside. This one holds 12, or yes. can hold up to 12. So still a significant investment in terms of, you know, probably at a minimum, you're talking 350, 300, 350 points of stuff inside. Yep. So if you can save that, it's all good. I don't like any of them. I'm probably taking the Omniscope if I have to put something on the frigate. And add movement, okay. Two of them are based on if your boat is destroyed, and the mm -hmm. other one is a once yeah. per battle. Right. You have to pick something that flies. Yeah. And it's a two-up to do anything? Yeah, well... No, thank you. That's very situational. Yep. yep. Agreed. Next up is the gun hauler. The gun right. hauler has three each. Mm-hmm. And so we'll each pick one here. And yep. uh, unlike the frigate, I think these choices are useful. Useful, yeah. I like uh, Coldbeard's collapsible compartments. That's a fun one. Yeah. So this unit gains transport vessel keyword, which is really important. And up to six friendly Skyfarer models can be embarked in it. There's plenty of units of five that you can add a hero to that could be in one of these boats. Yep. Very so nice. So Thunderers and a hero or yep. six engine riggers slash Skywardens can yeah. go in here. 
very, very useful for a little boat. I will take the Debt Settler Spar Torpedo, mm-hmm. and unlike what I just said for the frigate, where it's a once per battle, <laughs> once per battle, because this is 170 <laughs> points, right? So there, there's a sizable investment difference. Yes, huge. It's half as much. Yeah. After this unit finishes its first charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch and roll a dice. On a two-up, the enemy unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the roll. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, that's cool. The surge injector is cool. But yeah, the Colbeard classical compartment is, is probably the first pick that I've favorite. Been okay, Coolio. And let's move to Skyports then. And let's yep. talk through those. And almost all of them unlock a different set of battle line, which is pretty neat. Mm-hmm. It's also good because there's not a lot of units. <laughs> okay. Uh, which one do you want to start with? We'll start with the faction that I played yesterday, okay. which is Barak Zan, City of all the Sun. Right. Deeds, not words. So this makes Skywarden's battle line. Oh. Jeez. Add one to the hit and wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Skyfarer units that made a charge move in the same turn. Ooch, man. We're going to get to the profile of the combat units, and that is really, really, really good. Okay, all right. Very cool. The next one is Bergzilfen. The benefit here is you can pick one additional great engine work for your army. I'm just thinking it would be a fun list if you could make two of the little guys' transports. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't because it's a unique enhancement, so you can't take the same enhancement twice. Oh, they're um, unique. That's they are right. Unique. So you can yeah. take like your ironclad. You can give it whatever you're going to give it. You can have a gun hauler. Give it whatever you're going to give it. And so you've already got those extra enhancements. And if you're going to take extra enhancements, you don't have to spend it on the great engine work. Got it. Ziflin also makes frigates battle line. Nice. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. It, okay. Yeah. It's, fill it's, those slots. It's not bad. Yeah, fill those slots with boats that you want. Okay. I'll go with Barak Nar, City of the First Sunrise. Scholars and commanders, at the start of your hero phase, roll a dice for each friendly Barak Nar hero on the battlefield, including any that are embarked. For each four up, you receive one extra command point. And then Barak Nar also makes Thunderer's battle line. Oh, good. Mm. Good. Yeah. And this is the one that Brock is, is locked into. Of, yes. Okay. Then we have Barak Urbez. You can pick one additional article for your army. You cannot pick an article your army already has. And articles are the big ones. That's the four-up rally. That's the plus one to wound. That's nice. That's the two-inch move to your sky vessels. Very nice. Okay. Yeah. And so Urbaz unlocks gun haulers as battle line. Sweet. Yeah. Mornar is very interesting. You roll a dice each time an enemy model issues a command within 12 inches of a friendly Barrack Mornar unit, which is your whole army. Sure. On a five up, that command is not received and still counts as having been issued. The command point that was spent to issue that command is lost. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Wow. Yeah, so Barrack Mornar doesn't unlock anything, so you're stuck with your regular battle line ops. Okay. And then we finish with Barrack Thring, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Honor your gods. Allied Dwarden Priests. Know the following prayer in addition to any others. This is a rune of ancestral guidance. So it's a prayer that has an answer value of three and a range of 16. If answered, pick one friendly Arcanaut company or Grunstock Thunderer's unit wholly within range. So that's within 16. Until the start of your next hero phase, unmodified hit rolls of six for attacks made with missile weapons by that unit cause a number of mortal ooh, number of mortal wounds yeah. to the target <laughs> equal to the damage characteristic of the attack sequence. Oh, God. And the attack sequence ends? Wow. Yeah. Ooh, really good. So the tough part with that, right, is you can't put those allied Dwarden in your boats. 
Mm. Having them keep up uh. is going to be kind of a tougher thing. Okay. But if you want to play a foot army, which you 100% can do, mm-hmm. that is gross. Okay. That is really good. Yes. Cool. So that's it for the heroes and the artifacts and the enhancements and all those things. You know, we got a little bit ahead of ourselves, right? You know, talking about Endron Works, but you're going to find out what the boats do pretty quick. We'll jump over to units next. Yep. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. On to units. And the first one is our battle line unit, Arcanaut Company. Yes. Four inch move, one wound. Four up, save, six bravery. They have a, a plethora of, of missile weapons. Guns. And this is just throughout this book. <laughs> thunders, everybody has a lot of choices. Yeah. When we get to Thunders, I'll ask you all to just buckle in for just a minute. Yeah, you, same here, guys. Just hang in. I know there's a lot of numbers. Listen for the stuff you want. Kind of bleep out the stuff you don't. We have five choices for shooting weapons here. And they carry the privateer pistol and the cutter and then you can exchange some of those based on how many units models are in the unit yep okay for these other things so the privateer pistol is nine inch range two attacks four by fours no rend one damage and then the ethermatic volley gun which is very cool that's and this one's one in ten right one in ten is 15 inches 2d6 four by fours no rend one damage the light skyhook also one in ten. Yep, is fifteen inches, one four by threes, minus two D three. Very nice. And the ether flare pistol is nine inches, one attack, three by threes, minus two, one damage. And then the volley pistol, nine inch range, three attacks, four by fours, no rend, one damage. Those last two are choices that you can give your sergeant. Sure. The leader, okay. And then we have three melee weapons. We have the Arcanaut Cutter, which is standard. One inch range, one attack, four by fours, no rend, one damage. If you've got pistols, yep. this is your melee weapon. The gun butt is one inch range, one attack, four by fives. Jeez. And then... Uh, <laughs> that yeah, sounds... And so the gun butt is if you took the volley gun or the skyhook, this is your melee weapon. Okay. Right? I mean, that sounds more like something the... Like Gits would have for a melee weapon four by five. Well, I mean, they're using the stock of the I weapon. I know, to, but still, know. it's it's just so weird seeing a five to wound. You know, it's very strange. So rend nothing, and then one damage, and then we have the sky pike, which is one in ten. Yep, is two inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, two damage. That's good, nice. Yeah, it's not bad. Yep, we have glory seekers. While this unit is not embarked, add one to hit rolls for attacks made by this unit that target a unit contesting an objective, excellent. That's really so good, that's both combat and shooting. That is huge, that takes them down to three up for most of their attacks and two up for a couple. The light sky hook, damage characteristic of this unit's light sky hook is three if the target is a monster, boo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not good. Bad special rule. Well, says. you don't like it right now. No, of now. course. <laughs> but it's 100 points for 10. They're the only straight battle line unit in your book. They're not bad. That four, yeah. they used to be a five up on their save. Mm-hmm. For 100 points. They didn't do a ton for me, but they did just enough, okay. which was great. They, sure. In game two versus Nick, they were a critical screen to protect my boats from his super long charge. Oh, yeah. Basically, what I did is I created enough distance from the front of them to the back of them where charging my boats meant you had to roll like 
an 18. Okay. You know, if you land the 18, I'll live with it. Using the angles, everything else. Exactly. Fine. Whatever. In the other games, right, they were chip damage, right? They did a little bit in combat. They did a little bit in shooting. But the strength of this book is not right there. But they're a perfectly fine battle line unit. Okay. Why don't you talk about the big guys here, the ironclads? Yeah. The big old boat clocking in at 500 points. It's crazed. Which I think is a little too much. 10-inch move down to 4. Mm-hmm. Three up save, bravery eight, 20 wounds. 20 wounds now. That's pretty respectable. Then the shooting weapons that they have, that they always have, are the Aether Shot Carbines, 12-inch range, eight attacks, threes by threes, Ren 1, damage 2. Mm-hmm. Really good. This is another big list, listeners. Yep. So. The Torpedoes, 24-inch range, four attacks, fours by threes, Ren 1, damage D3. And then the next ones you have to pick. You have to either pick the Great Sky Cannon, the Great mm-hmm. Sky Hook, or the Great Volley Cannon. Yes. So the Sky Cannon has two profiles. Shrapnel, 12 inch range, 6 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Or the Sky Cannon, Shell, 24 inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 2s, rend 2, damage D3 plus 3. Wow. Nice. The Great Sky Hook, 24 inch range, 2 attacks, 4s by 3s, rend 2, damage D6. Or the Great Volley Cannon, 18 inch range, 46. 46. 3s <laughs> by 3s, rend minus 1, 1 damage. I like that shell. Man, that is. Pretty sweet. Two to wound, minus two ren. It's not to hit, though. Oof, I know, but you can fix that. That's really good. Combat, they've got boarding weapons, one-inch range, eight attacks down to five, fours by fours, no ren damage one. Mm-hmm. Transport vessel of 22 Skyfarer units. Wow. If for some reason you're including this as part of an army that's not a Caradron Overlord's army, it can still use the Skyfleet battle trait. Mm. Pretty cool. Okay. Counts as five on objectives. If you have the Great Skyhook, the damage characteristic of this unit's Great Skyhook is six. Here we go If the again. target is a monster. What is it about monsters here? I don't get it. Okay, <laughs> fine. In addition, if an attack made with this unit's Great Skyhook scores a hit on a monster and that monster is not slain, after the attack has been resolved, roll a dice. On a four-up, that monster is snagged until the end of the turn. <laughs> While a monster is snagged, it cannot carry out monstrous rampages. Oh, so, that's sweet. A monster yeah. cannot be snagged more than once in the same turn. That is pretty sweet. Mm. Nice. The Great Sky Cannon, you have to pick what you're using before you shoot it. Mm-hmm. Bomb Racks, after this unit finishes a normal move or a run, not a retreat, you can pick one enemy unit that this unit passed across and roll a number of dice equal to the Bomb Racks value, 10 down to 4. For each 4-up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Wow. This ability has no effect on units that can fly. That's 5 or 6 mortals, that's pretty good. And then you have the Supremacy Mine. Once per battle at the end of the enemy charge phase, you can say this unit will drop its <laughs> Supremacy Mine. Which I was not able to successfully get off until the very last time I used it. If you do so, pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit and roll a dice. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the roll. Okay. 500 points I found to be a little steep for what it does. I may have been better served with a saving 200 of those points and taking a second frigate. Mm. I guess I technically won my third game because it had 20 wounds. So Sure. Yeah, I don't know. It probably belongs in that 400 to 450 range. You're, it just never really did enough in my games. Like Especially when you compare it to like what the frigate does in my mind. Mm-hmm. So the frigate, by comparison, 300 points, can be battle line in Zifflin. I don't know that that's necessarily important, but it's a choice. Okay. 12-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 8, 15 wounds. Now... So 15 versus 20 wounds, Mm -hmm. still a three-up save. That does seem like that 200-point difference you want to go with a frigate. I mean, that... It doesn't seem like you're giving up that much in terms of the size. Yeah. For... You're giving up five wounds. You're giving up 
10 capacity. You're giving yeah. up some additional shooting. There are trade-offs here. The boats serve individual separate functions. But yeah, so the, the frigate's really good. So built in, it's got aether shot carbines, which are the same, except it's got four attacks instead of eight. Mm-hmm. And you have to pick between the heavy cannon or the heavy skyhook. Yeah. So the cannon is effectively very similar. So the shrapnel is five attacks instead of six. And then the shell is D3 plus two instead of D3 plus three for the damage. Okay. And the heavy skyhook is identical. Okay. Its boarding weapons are the same, except it's six versus eight. Mm-hmm. Transport is 12 instead of 22. Its bomb racks are eight down to four instead of 10 down to four. Mm-hmm. The heavy skyhook is the same. It's still five for the purposes of contesting objectives. The big difference is, is it has this rule called assault boat. Mm. After this unit finishes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this unit and roll a number of dice equal to the ramming dice value in the table, eight down to five. For each four up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. Then you can pick any friendly units embarked in this unit to disembark. Units that disembark in this way must be set up within three inches of an enemy unit and count as having made a charge move. That is so great. In addition, in the following combat phase, the strike first effect applies to units that disembarked in this way. Holy mutt. This is an unbelievable delivery system for Sky Wardens and Engine Riggers. Okay. Could do it with Arcanaut Company, but it's not really that good. Okay. You want something that's punchy. You want something that's punchy. Okay. And... 12 lets you pack in 12 engine riggers or 12 sky wardens, you know. Jeez. And you don't have to get them all out, right? The frigate doesn't do very much in sense of fighting, right? It's six attacks, fours and fours, no rend damage one. Okay. It's the guys that do the fighting. Okay. And that lets you fight with a bunch of things out of sequence, right, in your strikes first step. So the frigate is an offensive piece, right? You're sending it in with those things. The ironclad is more of a gun platform. Okay. You're going to keep it at 12 to 24 inches, mm-hmm. probably right about that 18 for most things, or you're going to get it to 12 and blow away everything at 12 and just be difficult to get to. They serve different purposes, because like if you charge the Ironclad, unleash hell, you're going to last word in many cases. Like It's mm. a very dangerous prospect, charging an Ironclad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The frigate should hit things fight things, kill things with the guys that are inside, and then you're kind of done. That's one of the things I really like in this book, is that they serve completely different roles, as opposed to the frigate just being a smaller ironclad. Okay, great. So next up, Dan, is the gun hauler, which clocks in at 170. Nice. The gun hauler has a 12-inch move, 10 wounds, 3-up save, 7 bravery. It has 4 shooting profiles. The ether shot carbine is 12-inch range, 2 attacks, 3 by 3 is minus 1, 2 damage. Then it has the sky cannon with the shrapnel and the shell again. It has less shots. It does less damage, but essentially the same. Mm -hmm. Then it has a drill cannon, which is 24 inches, 1 attack, 3 by 3 is minus 3. Wow, minus three. And then D3 damage. And then boarding weapons, again, same kind of thing. It has four attacks on it. It has a rule that is a head full. Once per battle at the start of your movement phase, you can say that this unit will move full ahead. If you do, add six to its movement characteristics. Wow, pretty sweet. Okay. So there you go. It's an escort vessel. Friendly sky vessels other than gun haulers have a ward of six up while they were within three inches of any friendly gun haulers. It has bomb racks. After it finishes a normal move or run, you can pick one enemy unit that it passed across, roll four dice on each four up 
one mortal. And then it has a drill cannon. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a drill cannon is a five up, causes three mortals to the target. And the attack sequence ends. Very good. And then each time this unit shoots, choose either. Yeah, you get to choose for the sky cannon. I think you're taking the sky cannon here, right? Yep. You're going to close the distance. You're going to take the shrapnel shot. And yep. you're going you know, to let them have it. And at range, right? 24 inches is... You know, if you're not able to get to within 12, that's fine. Yeah. 24 inch range, two attacks, fours and twos, minus two, D3 plus one. Like, yeah. it's not super reliable, but like, mm-hmm. it's damage. Yeah, it's chip damage mm-hmm. is what it ends up being, sure. Yeah. Okay. Next up is the Thunders, which is no. where a lot of the strength in this list comes from, right? The Thunders are 135 points for five. Mm-hmm. Four inch move, three up save, bravery seven, two wounds. At base, they are armed with aether shot rifles. Mm-hmm. 18 inch range, two attacks, threes by fours, rend one, damage one. Now, one in five models can replace their aether shot rifle with a fumigator, which is 12 inch range, d6 attacks, hit automatically, threes to wound, no rend damage one. One in five can be div- given a deck sweeper. 12-inch range, 5 attacks, 3s by 4s, mm-hmm. minus 1, 1 damage. <laughs> An Aether Cannon, also 1 in 5. 18-inch range, 1 attacks, 3s by 2s, rend 2, damage 3. Wow. Ooh, it's really good. The Mortar, 18-inch range, attacked equal to the target unit's number of models up to 5. Oh, wow. Okay. 3s by 3s, no rend, damage 1. So it means one in every five. So if you give everybody special weapons, mm-hmm. one in five has an aether shot rifle, one in five has a fumigator, one in five has a deck sweeper, one in five has an aether cannon, one in five has a mortar. It's kind of utility. Yeah. Depending on what you're looking for. You can sure. give them all rifles, which is right. a totally legitimate way to do this. Or you could give, okay, so one model in five could, so if you yeah. had a unit of more than five, you could still give them multiple of the same yes. weapon. Okay, you could do that too. All right. Yeah, so if you have 10, you can give them two fumigators, two deck sweepers, two ether cannons, two mortars, and two guys mm-hmm. will have their rifle. Or you can have ten guys armed with aether shot rifles, or eight guys with aether shot rifles and two fumigators, right? Sure. How do you want to do it? You can't take ten of all the same weapon. It's a very specific set of permissions. Your champion adds two to the attack's characteristics of their aether shot rifle, so he's a four-shot rifle. You have a standard bearer, which adds one to the bravery, brings him up to eight. Fumigators, right, those hit automatically, but also in addition at the end of the combat phase, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of a model in this unit that is armed with an etheric fumigator. If you do so, roll a dice on a two-up that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Okay. That's good. Yeah. They have a rule called suppressing fire. Each time this unit shoots after all of its attacks have been resolved, if every model in the unit shot and targeted the same enemy unit, roll 2d6, add to the roll the number of wounds caused by those attacks that were allocated to the enemy unit and not negated. If the score exceeds the enemy's unit bravery characteristic, it is suppressed. Till the start of your next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by a unit that is suppressed. A unit cannot be suppressed more than once at the same time. That's a neat rule because... With a lot of these different profiles, you're incentivized to kind of split things up and do things in a little bit of a different way. If you wanted to do all ether shot rifles and pump all that damage into one target with one very samey profile, you can totally do that. And even if you go all the split weapons, if you target one thing, that minus one to hit can be crucial. Then you've got the drill build. Each time this unit fights, once all of its attacks are resolved, if this unit includes a gunnery sergeant, pick one enemy unit within three inches, roll a dice on a five up, that enemy unit suffers a mortal wound whatever (laughs) 
All right. So now we have straight up engine riggers. Right? Yeah. Do you yeah. want riggers or sky wardens? I think I'll take the riggers. Let's do okay. riggers. Twelve inch move, two wounds, four up save, seven bravery. Has four shooting profiles. We have a rapid fire rivet gun. That's a standard weapon. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you are standard rivet gun and athermatic saw. Yeah. Yep. Three attacks. Three by fours, minus two. Wow, good. And one damage. Then we have a volley gun, which is 15 inches, 2d6, four by fours, no rend, one damage. We have the grapnel launcher slash skyhook, 15 inches, one attack, four by threes, minus two d3. And then the drill launcher, which is also 15 inches, one attack, four by threes, minus three d3. So the main difference between those two is the rend. Yep. That's it. Yeah, so it's one and three on the volley gun. And then choice one and three between the grapple launcher, skyhook, and drill launcher. And both these guys and the thunderers come in units of of three of three. Yep. yep. So you're going to stack them that way. If you have battle line, you can get up to nine in a unit. Then right? yes. Okay. We have drill launcher. It says if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with the drill launcher is six, causes three mortals. To the target and attack sequence ends. We have emergency field repairs. Now, this is the one we talked about with the roll being modified, mm-hmm. correct? Right. So, once per turn at the end of any phase, so it could be either turn, right? Your turn or your opponent's turn. Yeah, once per turn, your turn and your opponent's turn, right. you can do this at the yep. end of yep. any phase. Which is great. If this unit is more than three inches from all enemy units, you can say this unit will carry out emergency field repairs. If you do so, pick one friendly sky vessel within three inches, roll a dice. For each model in this unit, each of these rolls is called a field repair roll. For each four or five, heal one. For each six up, you heal two. Mm-hmm. Nice. The grapnel launcher, while this unit includes any models armed with a grapnel launcher, once per battle at the end of your movement phase, you can say this unit will reel itself towards an object. If you do so, pick a point on the battlefield within, <laughs> that's so silly, within 15 inches of this unit on terrain feature, then remove this unit from the battlefield, set it up again wholly within three inches of that point and more than nine inches from all enemy units. <laughs> it's just silly. Sure. The damage characteristic of this unit skyhook is three if the target of the attack is, boo, a monster. Yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting unit. The combat weapon, the Aethermatic Saw, is good. Mm -hmm. Two attacks, threes by threes, rend two, damage d3. On average, that's two damage, sure. I don't think you want to be replacing most of, like, you can go one and three with the volley gun, and you can go one and three with either the grapnel launcher, skyhook, or drill launcher. And that changes your combat profile, you know, to the gun butt, right? Mm -hmm. I think this unit is better served by being as many combat weapons as you can afford. So you're talking about, say, taking a unit of nine, but you keep them all with a rivet gun and a saw. Rivet gun and saw, and at most, I would be taking one with a grapnel launcher, right? That kind of like sneaky, out-of-sequence move is neat and tricksy. I didn't get the chance to do anything with it because Mm -hmm. the one game where I threw them in and they got stuck... They died? That's not great. No. But, like, if you were looking to zip around the board, like, you know, your frigate drops them off, you don't want to get them back in for whatever reason, then they're out there, they're doing their own thing. They're movement 12 with a potential additional 15-inch movement. Of course. Or they're a 12-inch move with a 2d6 run and then a 15-inch movement, because there's nothing here that precludes you at the end of your movement phase from doing that all together all at once, which is kind of nifty. This is one of the combat units you're putting in the frigate, the frigate's driving up to its target, they're getting out, and they're just gonna punch everybody in the face. And their movement potential is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, goodness, you're moving 12 already, and if you use those grapnels 27 inches, poof, it puts you just about anywhere you wanna be. Yep. 
That's really, really cool. But that's why I'd only take one, because if you have multiple grapnels, you can't do it multiple times. Right. That is a fully situational kind of decision. Yeah. It's 120 for three of them, yep. so... Yeah. And battle line if you've got an Endron Master. Okay. So Sky Wardens, which are battle line and barracks on. 12-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 7, 2 wounds. Their base combination is the Vulcanizer Pistol and Sky Pike. So the Vulcanizer Pistol is 12-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 1. The Volley Gun, Sky Hook, and Drill Launcher are all the same. Yes. That's what we just talked about. The Sky Pike is 2-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2, yep. which is good. It's reliable damage, yeah. Gun butts for if you take gun butts. Yeah. Champion adds one to the attacks characteristics of its melee weapon. Drill launcher the same. Grapple launcher the same. Skyhook the same. But they have time charges. At the end of the combat phase, if this unit's within three inches of any enemy units, you can say this unit will use its time charges to make an escape. If you do so, roll a dice. On a two-up, you can pick one enemy unit within three inches of this unit to suffer D3 mortal wounds, and this unit must retreat. Your 12-inch move, a retreat move, is plenty far. Yeah. Love Sky Wardens. These yeah. are so good. My recommendation, right, is at most you're replacing one with a grapnel launcher. I probably, taking my list again, right, so my list was Admiral, Chemist, Navigator, 10 Arcanaut Company, 10 Thunderers, 6 Engine Riggers, 2 by 3 Sky Wardens, Ironclad, Frigate. If I had to do this again, I would have taken the grapnel launchers out of those units so that I could have been 10 attacks oh, on those bricks of three. Sure. That combat stuff coming out of the frigate is just so much, so much better. Really, really, really good unit at 130 points. Both of these units benefit strongly from the Barrack Zahn sub-faction okay. when they charge. They're twos and twos. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. you want to be charging, yeah. which is why you put them in the frigate. You toss the frigate out there. They get wow. out. They count as having charged, count as having made a charge move. It's not relevant I mean, on the dice roll. Ten attacks at, I mean, for a unit, it would be ten attacks, unit, two by twos, three. minus one, two damage. Yep. Wow. That's really scary. It's really good. And if your opponent sticks around long enough to have survived, right, you're going MSU... You're chucking out a bunch of these two up for D3 mortal wounds to escape. You're, yeah. you're just doing damage. You're just doing damage. You're just doing damage. Like Because then one of the things that you can do later is you can basically back up your frigate. You can put all your guys back inside of it. And you can fly high away from somewhere, <laughs> which is so silly. Okay. We are doing strats and tactics next. We yes. are. And the two battalions. That you yeah, have. of course. Yeah. Wow, this is another book. I, I don't know about you, but these are pretty. These decent. are so easy. <laughs> yes, this. I thought we just said this. <laughs> I thought we were done saying this, right? These are so easy. Yes. So the first one of the strats is rule the skies. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy. If there are one or more friendly sky vessels on the battlefield, and there are no enemy behemoths that can fly on the battlefield, well, you could just take. A gun hauler. It's a sky vessel, isn't it? Yep. For like no points. 170. And just have it move around and stay out of the way. And if your enemy doesn't have a flying beast. Beamist. You get it automatically. Yeah. This like, is the one I took. That seems so easy. Yeah. Wow. That's so good. And so this is actually how I won game three was my ironclad survived on one wound. Oh, yeah. And that meant 
that I got my grand strategy. Yeah. Wow. All right, how about the next one, man? Defend the flagship. You can pick this grand strategy only if the model picked to be your general is an admiral. Fine. Fine. Yeah. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if that general has not been slain and the sky vessel picked to be its flagship has not been destroyed. Okay. Yeah, also fine. Yeah, doable. Prospector fleet. After deployment, your opponent must pick one terrain feature to hold a bounty of mineral wealth. When the battle ends, you complete this grand strategy if you control that terrain feature. I don't know. I'm mixed on that one because if your opponent is picking it they can very intentionally defend that particular yeah but oh you've also got the capability with this army to potentially just blow away anything that's near or on that terrain piece too yep so the next one guided by the code is standard we've seen these brendan is if you get at least four tactics from the book you get the grand strat i think that's the least doable given the other choices i don't know the oh some of those are are pretty pretty good yeah yeah i suppose i think the others are much easier though in terms of accomplishment agreed yeah all right so what about tactics the first one is bombing run pick one enemy unit you complete this battle tactic if that unit is destroyed during this turn by a bomb rack's ability of a friendly unit that one's kind of tough to do Right, it's four up mortal wounds. You're rolling at most, you know, eight dice on an individual boat. Right. Right. You have to have a lot of boats. They have to be near this one thing. Like if you're doing it, it's got like a wound or two left. Right. And you're just exactly. going cool for free. Like, yeah. Situational for sure. Mm-hmm. Mobilize the fleet. You cannot pick this battle tactic in the first battle round. Thank goodness. Yes. Pick three friendly units on the battlefield that are not embarked in sky vessels. You complete this battle tactic at the end of the turn if those units are all embarked in sky vessels. Oh, the reason that you can't do that in the first turn is because you would just deploy them outside of the boat. Put them in. Wholly within three done. inches. You would then put them in the boat. Ka-ching! And then the boat goes. <laughs> all right. Boots on the ground. Pick three friendly embarked units in sky vessels. You complete this battle tactic at the end of the turn if those units are not embarked and are wholly within enemy territory. That one's not hard. I guess you don't need an ironclad for it, but for the most part you do. You could go MSU into a frigate and then truck them out. So now the thing, okay, yeah, because you can have multiple units in sky inside of a frigate, for example. Yeah. Multiple units inside of a ironclad. So, okay, sure, that makes sense. Because you could put three units easily within one ironclad. Yes. And then, okay. Easily. Yeah. Opening salvo. You can only pick this battle tactic if no units have been destroyed in the battle. Ooh. You complete this battle tactic if an enemy unit is destroyed in your shooting phase this turn. That one seems like so simple. Yes. This army. So this is the first battle tactic I completed in all three of my games. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> Jeez. So I was given second in my first two games, and I picked to go second in the third game. Okay. Enemy came up. Yeah. Cool. I moved up and just... <sighs> Yeah. How about that next one? Blast into smithereens. This one's tougher than it looks. Pick one objective on the battlefield within 12 inches of any enemy units. You complete this battle tactic if there are no enemy units within 12 inches of that objective at the end of this turn. It sounds easy. What's important to remember here is objectives are six. So you're putting another six inches to the radius of that objective. So your area... That's a 24-inch bubble. Yes. That's huge. That's a much bigger area. Yeah. It's very doable, right? Especially if you have an opponent that like has just kind of just barely moved onto an objective. Sure. There's not really anything over there. Then mm. you go over there, clear it out, and you keep going. Yeah. And then the last one. Oh, is stake a claim? You can pick this tactic only if you control fewer objectives than your opponent. You complete this tactic if you control more objectives than your opponent at the end of the turn. Oh, yeah. Hello. Very doable. Yeah. Take an objective from somebody when it's two and one and you're done. Mm-hmm. All right, nice. Yeah, so I guess the getting the four of them is 
certainly very doable mm-hmm. from what you're looking at here. And then we okay. have two battalions. Yeah. Now. And yeah, I don't know. No, this is like, I mean, so the first one mm-hmm. is attack squadron. You need a minimum of two frigates. Two mandatory frigates. And one optional. And then two mandatory Arconauts, one optional. This again, you get expert for this. So one free all-out attack or all-out defense, and then you get a free... Swift. Uh, yeah. Run roll of six or re-roll charges. Yeah, okay. For an investment of 800 points here. Minimum. Minimum. It doesn't seem like it's worthwhile. So the next one is escort wing. So this is two gun haulers required and one optional gun hauler, and then one thunderer's unit required, and then optional is a mix of assault boats and or frigate and an ironclad right yep. and then three optional sky wardens yeah what do you get for that you get <laughs> a, a free odd attack or unleash hell from slayers okay Woo. yeah again the cost what is that 340 so that's still about 500 points it's not like you're getting a free artifact or anything else here yeah so so one of the things that makes army list building very difficult for Caradron overlords is that your boats have all of them the war machine battlefield mm-hmm. right so you have the big boats which are behemoths and you know when you're talking about like what they slot into you are going to be stuck on the number of drops that your mm-hmm. army can be if you want to include multiple bigger boats gun haulers don't mm-hmm. have anything other than you know just they're single right okay. and they they can yeah. become battle line in urbaz but if you want to take multiple boats you either have to go ziflin to move your frigates to battle line losing the behemoth trait or to get low drops you have to go to battle regiments minimum right so like if you're going ziflin and multiple assault frigates like okay like that can work mm-hmm. but then that's two of your five that go into your battle oh, regiment right. Well, and then the units go into it. You're almost stuck with two battle regiments anyways, which is kind of a a tall ask. So one of the things is you're not very likely to necessarily see one drop KO list, Mm. which is huge. Right. Because as we talked about, you know, these units, if you can put your hands to them, they can't hurt you. Right, they can shoot you. Their damage is all done in the shooting phase. Ninety-five percent of it. The remaining percentage is, you know, how many sky wardens or engine riggers right. they include, and that percentage changes. But those are units that are 120 to 130 points with a four-up save and two wounds apiece. You're paying 130 points for six wounds on a four-up save. You can take Durthu. Yeah. And with one hit. Yeah. Boof. Kill the unit. Gone. Pretty easily too. Yes. Yeah. One of the other things is. When you're in boats, you're still affected by area of effect spells. You're not immune to that. So you do have some real hard counters that are just AOE. Mm-hmm. A one-drop techless list mulches a Caradon Overlord's army. Just sure. absolutely ruins it. I think Nurgle gives KO a really tough time. Okay. They're super durable, right? That Trogs list that I just played with Zach, I looked at that nine brick <laughs> of rock guts and I went... Yeah. Cool, he's a four-up. He's going to give himself plus two to save, right? One from the moon and the other one from all-out defense. And he did that. And potentially Mystic Shield to be plus three. So all the extra rend I'm going to be getting is going to be negated. And then he's got a five-up ward after that, and I go, i got to kill the rest of his army. I'm going to leave that one alone, yeah. And that's what I did, right? You know, like, that was my only path to victory. So super durable things are going to sit there and go, 
that's fine. They do a lot of damage, but they do a lot of damage against light to medium armored things. And they, once per battle, a unit of Thunderers can absolutely crack open a super well-armored something. Oh, sure. And only if that opponent hasn't gone... Okay, fine. You know, Mystic Shield, all out defense. Like, cool. Your three rend is now effectively rend one. Roll some dice. It, yeah, well, let's roll dice and see what happens here. You know, that's where your the two up ignores the ward can in places be super useful. Sure. Because you know it's going to can opener that super durable unit. But in that instance, you have devoted an artifact. Mm-hmm. The ability of a chemist, which is you know a ninety point hero, right? Right. A once per battle rule in grudge breaker rounds. Oh, right. Invested yeah, yeah. into a 270 point unit that was probably delivered by a 300 to a 500 points unit, Ugh. supported by however many additional command points, triumphs, artifacts, those kinds of things. Okay. So there are some hard counters to this, for sure. There are some super hard counters to this. There are going to be armies, though, that can't do a thing about this. Yeah. I, and that's where it's really yeah. frustrating. Night Haunt, I think, are particularly well equipped to deal with Caradron Overlords, your heroes are going to be in a tough spot, right? But this is where Spirit Hosts are going to soak up those wounds. Right. If, the, you're, if you're going to split out your attacks, like there's the chance, just like you saw, you know, if you split your attacks with Durthu, you can hit the thing and, oh, it lived. Against Caradron Overlords, the units themselves don't super need the heroes to keep them chugging. Like, yeah. they just got to get in. You know, you eat the Unleash Hell, cool, you don't worry about the rend. All of these other things that you're investing into it right. don't matter. It's an army that is going to ruin a couple of people's weekends. You're going to run into something that you're going to either not have the ability to deal with or really struggle to deal with. It's going to be very difficult to win events with this book just because of if you hit one of those hard counters, and those hard counters are relatively prevalent. Mm-hmm. I mean, these one-drop Helon Teclis lists are everywhere. Yes. Oh, God. A one-drop Helon Teclis list absolutely tears this to pieces mm-hmm. you know so like for instance my list was 10 drops right i had command entourage i had galatian sharpshooters i had galatian veterans like yeah. i went for the extra enhancement and i took the extra enhancement to be leadership of the alpha mm-hmm. on the admiral to give all attack to three units in one super oh yeah absolute all attack i'm gonna just blow away a huge chunk of your army shooting attack and it can technically be free because if the first unit that I issue it to is his flagship, which doesn't right. cost a command point to spend, right. that one's free. And then the other two, the second and the third one are free anyways. So you can give all attack yeah, for free yeah. to three units. Three different units, yeah. Exactly. That's really good. But if you can put your hands to it, which if Nick had gotten his knights into me, that would have been the game. Um, well, and I think about, for example, if Frigate is, you know, 300 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you can take that down, you've just taken a 300-point unit out of the game. I think that's very doable. Well, and it's usually not just a frigate, right? Yep. Inside that frigate, I had committed 240 points in engine riggers and another 260 points in sky wardens. So combined, that is an 800-point investment. You know, I can't remember the size, 120 by 80 millimeter oval. Mm Mm-hmm. That if you can kill in the right way, I can't do anything about it. Right. You know, the other 1,200 points of my list, <laughs> well, a, you know, 1,160 or whatever it was, was in the Ironclad. Right. And, well, I guess that's not fair. The chemist stood outside and right. his tunnel master to zip around the board. Right. But that's it. I effectively had two points on the battlefield that constituted my entire army. To go play a five objective mission. Mm-hmm. I have to take all of that and be in five places? I got to remove you first and pick up my scoring later. Right. 
So like I can picture people taking double frigate lists, loading them up with the combat stuff, sure. chucking them in, alpha strike, you know, pull a bunch of things off. I think that's a choice. I think kind of what I was doing where you have your gun platform, you basically send it out to be a gun platform. Right. I think all the heroes are good. Obviously the one in the dirigible suit, you go, I don't super know why I include you. <laughs> and the only other unit I don't like are the gun haulers. Okay. Like yep. everything else is totally legit. You can play a foot army. I think you're less well served doing that, but like you could take a foot unit and toss some things in the frigate as an offensive contingent. So that's one of those alternate builds mm -hmm. so you're not just mono building you're no longer stuck with just clown car for those that don't remember what that was or weren't playing when that was it was a one drop ko list where you put basically everything in your ironclad mm -hmm. the ironclad drops down nine inches away and you just chuck everything into your opponent and mm -hmm. there's no hiding from it and if the 1200 points that they lift top of one or bottom of one depending on their choice like that's it that's the game game over yep Woo, fun, neat, because they'd blow away your screen, and that was it. Mm -hmm. Not how that works anymore, right? right? right. You know, we didn't talk about anything setting up off-board and dropping down from the sky. Right. You have a crack at the KO player at all times. The worst of the feel-bads are gone, right? Not Good. every boat That's can great. fly high. Fly right. high costs a command ability. There are restrictions to using it. Right. And you can't issue it more than once because it is a command ability. So right. you can't do it to three boats at the same time or something. Yeah. Yeah. The, Which is huge. You can pin them in and keep them in place and they cannot get away. Okay. There are ways to deal with them. The list of what can deal with them is not super long, but right, a lot of these 3D6 charging armies... I don't want to see You're right. if I'm playing KO. Sure. I was thrilled to pieces that Zach beat Justin because Justin was on the 3D6 charging meat fist. Yes. I don't know how I deal with Kratnos <laughs> necessarily. Right. You know, like, I felt pretty good about killing bodies of meat that mm -hmm. were you know in that meat fist. Yeah. Um, I mean, if Kragnos could get into one of your boats with that two-up oh save base, I mean, you're not going to do anything to him coming in. He gets into the ironclad, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And he's going to move. And then yeah. he's going to 3d6 charge. Yep. And that's going to be that. That's that, yeah. So it's still KO. I still don't super love KO. There are things in this book, though, that I think are much, much, much more interesting and make it more of a game. It brings them back up to a place where I think they can compete, mm -hmm. which is good because, you know, for a little bit. Oh, yeah. Later, they, they struggle mightily. Yeah. yeah. And I can't remember the last time I saw, you know, a KO player, like, really at an event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which... Part of me was very happy about, but, you know, like, I want every army to be well, viable. I want people to be able to take everything. For the hobby and for the game itself, it's not healthy to have armies that aren't viable. It right. just isn't. It's very difficult to balance shooting. I think this is a much better attempt uh, than they have in a long while with this book. Okay. Um, right, you know, my separate feelings aside. Yes, yeah, of course. <laughs> KO players should be pretty pleased with what they're getting. Okay. There is a level of... It can be very unengaging, right? Sure. Because you're doing the removal in the shooting phase. A lot yes. like Zinch and a lot like Lumineth, when yeah. you're engaging in a phase of the game in which your opponent gets to do nothing, right. the feel-bads are going to be there. Sure. you got to understand that part of it, right? Like, right. You know, hey, why didn't my opponent have fun? Because maybe they didn't play the game. <laughs> well, it feels like they didn't play <laughs> right. the game. When you're getting shot at, the only thing that you can do to retaliate is all-out defense. Mm -hmm. That's it. You just make save rolls. Sure. When you're dying in the combat phase, you're making save rolls, you're fighting back, you know, right. you've got a lot of abilities. Like, mm -hmm. That's cool. 
Okay. You know, yeah, my first two games weren't very engaging. I just blew everyone off the table. But that last game with Zach where, you know, like I'm running around and I'm trying to get away from things and I'm trying to shut down his casters. And it was a lot more interactive. And exactly. it looked like it was too when I was watching the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so he had one of those things that was a hard counter. Great. Right. And good. And that's the way it should be. And yeah. right. And it went down to... We get to five, and we're just talking about it. He's like, one. If I can land this nine-inch charge, he goes, if I miss this nine-inch charge, he goes, you win this game handily. He goes, if I land this nine-inch charge, I said, yeah, we got to roll the dice and see where yeah, it goes. sure. I was like, but yeah, that's the way that you win, is if you can kill my mm-hmm. ironclad, then I have no way of scoring enough points to win this game. Mm-hmm. And There you go. That's what happened, yeah. That's what happened. Awesome. I just have a couple quick thoughts. You you really ran through it there. And again, you have that experience of having played it. The one thing that I find interesting is I think a lot of the characters and the heroes are interesting here yes. and are useful. In a lot of books, you don't find that. You find people using this, this, and this, and that's it. That's all you ever see. I think, you know, like the, was it Derek or whatever, the guy who can steal artifacts? I think that is just Drecky, fascinating. Yeah. I think the Admiral is fascinating. The Navigator, still the Ether Chemist is still good. A good choice. The sure is. lawyer, you know, the Codex guy, fascinating as far as the effects he can have on a game and on the army. And so I really enjoyed that part of the book and reading through those individual sets of rules that made those heroes so unique. Because again, you don't find that spread of uniqueness in a lot of books. Those are our final thoughts. I hope you all enjoyed this. We tried to make it through those huge lists of shooting yeah, weapons. Weapon profiles. And I know those can get kind of tough sometimes, but we thank you for your patience. And again, Brendan, thanks for bringing that experience yesterday. That was really useful for this discussion for you to have played those three games. That was very, very cool. I think that's it then for okay. boats and floaty guys. And let's move on to Scriptorium. Absolutely. So let's start out with new stuff. We have a Cato Sicarius Omnibus in 40k. Cato is one of the unique ultramarine characters. He's very interesting. Very pomp. Yes, he he's very by the book. He's more to me of an imperial fist than he is an ultramarine but his stories are very cool and very compelling i think so something you may be interested in if you don't know about him we now have a book called the black-eyed saint which is book three of the Murgas series i think you remember i talked about a book a while ago that i had read about a village and there was some mysterious monster that was killing people off that was the first of this series so if you like that kind of story in the mortal realms more of a dark gothic horror kind of a approach Mm -hmm. this would be something cool that might be interesting to you we also have resting places which is a collection of previously written short stories horror stories from both 40k and sigmar so those things are all out there and those are the main things that we've got new not a lot of stuff i am still well i'll talk about that in a minute so anyway brendan how about yourself so i've got eight ish hours left on the end of the death Mm-hmm. really cool awesomeness yeah. A lot of cool stuff coming in that you hadn't, anything you hadn't expected. Not that you could tell us, but uh, yeah, or, so like, were they all 
I feel like this last book is where a lot of it's like effectively what happens we know about. I feel like more of the surprises came in the middle, right? Okay. Um, of the book series where you're getting in the details of like, hey, this major event happened, but like we don't know how it got to where. Mm-hmm. So obviously one of the main things, right? The emperor at some point teleports onto the vengeful spirit. Sure. We know this. This is not a spoiler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like if you didn't know anything about the Horus heresy prior to this point, I'm very sorry. But like, you know, that's one of the most iconic pieces of art you know sure that's been drawn about this game yep. for ever there's a whole lot of lead up to teleporting on to the mm-hmm. vengeful spirit one of the things i've really liked about the book so far is the way that they portray horace's mind state mm-hmm. in like at this point it's really interesting you can tell that it's clouded by all of those other forces and like mm-hmm. he's not right in the head your point about Horus and his mind state, I have always found that as I read through the heresy books again or listen to them again, Horus is a very different individual than we are told that he is during the heresy. Like he's much more, I'm not going to say calm, but he's much more introspective and much more serious Mm -hmm. a character than not just this crazy chaos guy. And you see that in a lot of the other short stories and books that this is not the person we were told he was. Yeah, because uh, part of me almost wants to go back to like reading the first book. Because in that first book, you do get a lot of things from Horace's perspective. Mm. You get a lot of that book is also from Loken's perspective. Of course. Um, going all the way back to the beginning and measuring the comparison between the Horace that you're dealing with you know, right now mm. and the Horace that you started the series with, it, it's been... 15 years. Yeah, of course. Yeah, bazillion. Cool, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, that's what I've been working on. I watched season five. I think I haven't talked about this yet. Drive to Survive, right? The Formula One season started last week, so I got all that. Okay, knocked knocked out. out. Okay. I had watched the whole season. (laughs) So Yeah, now I have a question for you. We're going to segue for a second. Mm-hmm. Cindy had asked me, what is the difference between NASCAR and Formula One? What's the main difference? So I don't you, know. Would you give a quick, do you I, have I don't a know. quick? I don't okay. know anything about NASCAR. Okay. All right. Yeah. I didn't know if you the, could. Um, so I, the one thing I know for sure about Formula One cars is, right, each team designs theirs. I believe mm-hmm. the NASCAR cars are stock. Mm-hmm. And so everyone has the same vehicle. Mm-hmm. I don't know that for sure. Because I wanted to answer, the answer I gave her was, I think Formula One is much more technical, much more customized. You're really getting into engineering and design more than you do with NASCAR races. And I think NASCAR races, the racetracks are the same, very oval. Very similar. Right. As opposed to Formula One, which are all over the place, very unique. The kind of track itself is very different, right? Some of these races occur on the city street yeah. <laughs> that that town is hosting. Right. And that is a very different type of surface than, so like where they're going next week at Saudi Arabia, <sighs> that is a laid down racetrack that is specifically for the explicit purpose of racing. Yeah, and for, let's say, a NASCAR race, you have an oval that has these unbelievable banks on the curves. Like, until I actually saw the Indy 500 race course live when I went there... You have no idea how steep those like, are. Oh, my God. You're halfway to the vertical. It's almost like 45 degrees. It's unbelievable like how that works and the physics of that, yeah. which is very different than... A Formula One racetrack. Like, I can think of one track in mine, Zandvoort in the Netherlands, which has a bank. Mm -hmm. And that's the only racetrack Mm -hmm. I can think of that has a banked 
mm-hmm. corner. You know, a lot of it's just straight elevation or like the depth and tightness of that mm-hmm. turn. Slow speed corners, medium speed corners, fast speed corners, where sure. the amount of downforce on your car that keeps it, you know, towards the ground. <laughs> right matters yeah right but there's the trade-off between downforce and the aerodynamic friction Mm -hmm. of can't have both like it has to be balanced these things live in contrast to one another but formula one a technical set of regulations is put out each team it's up to them to interpret design and build their car and i believe that nascar is very stock yeah nascar is is stock IndyCar is stock. IndyCar, everyone gets the same car. Mm-hmm. So, That's it. So it's a pretty significant difference in the style of racing and what you're looking at. But right. the driver in NASCAR yeah. matters is the difference, mm-hmm. right? You know, obviously your pit crews and things like that right. get things changed out. That also matters. In Formula One, fundamentally, the car yeah. can determine everything. Right now, this is the problem that Mercedes has is they have arguably two of the best drivers of the 20. Their car is terrible. <laughs> Like, they're out, right? Sure. It doesn't matter that they have a seven-time world champion and another guy in their car (laughs) who's probably going to win a world championship at some point in his career. Doesn't matter. That car is terrible. Like, they might be able to win a race here or there, like, because weird things happen from time to time. Mm -hmm. But there are other cars that are just faster. Well, and when you say that, you can look at, for example, a NASCAR race where you have literally 30 or 40 cars just blocked up. You have this brick of 30 or 40 cars going around this track. They all look the same. And you realize, to your point, it is the driver in the car that's going to break out from that herd, which yeah. is what it looks like. It looks like a herd of cars. Is this going around that track hundreds of times, literally? I think one of the other things that's interesting is Formula One is 10 teams, it's 20 mm-hmm. drivers. That's it. You know, NASCAR is, sometimes <laughs> it's 100 cars. Yes, it's a uh, massive amount of cars. Interesting difference. Well, there you go, Cindy. There's a good rundown of the difference. We, I as think, far as I'm aware. Yeah. Right? The- we still talk through a lot of them. That's good. That's it for you then? Mm-hmm. For Okay. I am still anxiously waiting for my Dead Tree version of The End and the Death. I really want to get into that book because I have no Dead Tree books that I'm really oh, reading at this point. I hope I can finish it before you do. You will. I, I think you will. Mm-hmm. I did finish the Angron book and it was a really tough listen, but it was solid. And I would say that it's very typical of your training legion style story where you're getting a lot of things besides the primarch you're getting some of angron but a lot of it is about his legion and the characters in his legion and the marines and the humans and all those pieces and parts it's kind of like the karn story was the same thing you've got a lot of karn but you've got a lot of the the things things around around it and i think that's very typical of the traitor legions you look at the black legion books are the same way so it, it was okay it was a tough to get through but once i did i felt it was rewarding bad loon rising is one of the most fun stories i have listened to in so long definitely if you are a gets player you've got to listen to this book the guy who's the main character is literally riding around on a dank old trogoth it's just crazy the one thing that's kind of goofy is that the human part of the book because they're human wizards and human leaders in these towns and stuff it's like so boring because there's all this typical like human drama going on and you're just going okay fine this person is doing this with this person and this person doesn't like this and there's a traitor and there's factions and you're just going oh god i could watch a soap opera and I could see the same stuff going on kind of thing Mm -hmm. right and then you switch back over to the gits 
And you're just laughing literally as you're listening to this because it's just so over the top. Sure. Right. And it's just really fun because the leader in this thing starts out as a guy shoveling squig droppings. That's what his job was. And when you realize what he's become, it's just hilarious Yeah, uh, how he gets there. So, so it was a really, really good listen so far. Still working on Picard season three because I think episode four, I've only seen episode three. We finished watching the first season of Yellowstone. We haven't touched it for a while but we did finish it and enjoyed it. And then the last thing I want to talk about is a movie I have finally watched after so many years that I've been told to watch it. It's called Akira. It is a anime movie. It is probably, you know, I've got some former students who continued to push me to watch this movie who are really into anime and manga especially. They have told me that this really is the anime that made America aware of anime and made it aware of manga. It came out in the late 80s and it showed America what manga was really about, which is storytelling Mm -hmm. and which is foreshadowing and all those kind of things. It's the serious side of anime. You know, hey, you got Pokemon, you got Dragon Ball Z, you know, you have all those things and we're like, oh, it's fun and cool. Always fun. Sailor Moon, you know, and all those things. And you watch this by the way, warning, this is serious Adult Swim stuff. Like, it's dark. It's cyberpunky. Some of the images are very disturbing as you're watching this. Oh, my gosh, Brendan, the animation, the faces were so emotive. You absolutely knew that this person was in pain or they were just elated or whatever it was. And the animation was just fantastic, the detail of it. And when something would explode or change... the just the way you saw it happen. If you were at all into anime, for example, if you were into Attack on Titan, I know a lot of people enjoyed that, you need to watch Akira. It's a story of Neo-Tokyo because there has been this devastating explosion or attack that wiped out the original Tokyo, and this is kind of built on the ruins of it. Really, really good, and I'm glad I spent the time watching it. Cool. So, all right. So that's it for me, for you. Let's move on to, we haven't done this in a while, this or that. Yeah. Okay, man. Right, Brendan? I'm going to go first, and I break the rules here a little bit. Okay, that's fine. So I have five for you, and I have one for Cindy, but it's not really a this or that question. It's an I want her to react to something. Okay, cool. We'll save Cindy's for last. Okay, cool. All right. She's sitting over there going, oh, God. Okay. Usually I just sit here and listen to them record. I know. <laughs> So the preface to this question is, has Cindy seen what the trophy was for yesterday? No. Okay, perfect. I don't think... Did you see the trophy? Okay, okay that's perfect. good... First three are Warhammer, the next two are basketball questions. Okay. We'll start with the Warhammer ones. Okay. Caradron Overlords, what sub-faction would you be looking to make a KR army for? I kind of like the pirate one, which is that the... Uh, the one that steals the five ups? Yes, I like the, that. Yeah. I, I like believe that that's Mornar. Yeah, Mornar. I like that. I just like the story of it and the feel for it. Ironclad, frigates, or gun haulers, right? Understanding that they're at their points level, right? So you end up with three and change gun haulers, one and a third frigate, right. or one and two thirds frigates, right. and an ironclad. I think the frigates are much more utilitarian mm-hmm. than the other two. I think they give you so much flexibility in what they can do, what they can carry. I mean, the fact that it can carry, you could have four units of engine riggers or four units yeah. of sky, what, sky, wardens. sky wardens, and plus they shoot really well. 
They have great shooting. I would pick the frigates. Okay. The heroes are all kind of roughly at the same points. Yeah. Admirals are basically the auto takes if you're including any boats. If you were including taking the admiral aside, yes. What non-admiral hero you know were you most excited about? I think the Codex, the lawyer. The, oh, yeah, the code right. Code right. I like him. A neat, unique effect that that has on the army and the fact that you can really hyper efficiency those amendments footnotes those special rules for the army i think is very very cool today as recording is selection sunday all of this i'm sure will be made invalid in several hours sure most of the championship conference games have not been played no but dan who are your one seeds today I'm going to come up with my final four. Is actually Okay, so I, that's my next question. Okay, okay. Yeah, so... One seeds, man, I think this will surprise you, but I think VCU. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Because okay. of the way they played in their record, they've been way too inconsistent, but I think Purdue... Oh, uh, boy. Yeah, I, so personal feelings aside, like I really don't feel like we've earned the one seed yeah, at this point. because they are just too inconsistent, man. As good as they're playing. And then you want me to pick the final four. Then I also want so, your... Okay. So Houston and Kansas for sure. You are, said VCU. No, VCU is not even in the top 25. Let, let me... I'm thinking to myself like, wow, like, I really haven't noticed their season. So, no, like, no, I, I guess I haven't been paying but that VCU close is one of my one seeds, okay? A one seed? That's a one seed, okay? Yeah. What? Okay, now... But who do I pick for my final four? Dan, they're okay. not in the top 25. Okay. How do you warrant Brendan, one seed? Brendan, just let me finish. Okay. So, I will do my best okay, here. I know. So Houston and Kansas for final four. Okay. Okay. And I also think UCLA has a shot. Okay. I think. And so, so those are the top three teams right now. Okay. For so, the AP top 25. Right. Now, th- I really think that Marquette can make it. I just feel good about them, and I feel like they have the momentum going in. Okay. That's the thing. When you look at their last two or three games, it feels like they can go into the... I'm on board with that feeling, with Marquette. Into March Madness and get their way through, because I think they have the confidence to make it through the first two or three rounds. Okay. And they'll be looking at whoever they're looking at, say, in the Elite Eight, or Mm -hmm. and they'll be like, yeah, we can do this. And depending on what their bracket looks like, right, which we'll find out today that that can certainly right. be achievable so, you so have, marquette houston kansas and ucla and will those, be my and so final those four. are your final four yeah and so your one seeds are vcu oh my god but you know what you asked the question i, I can you're give right an i did i can I, give any answer i want you are allowed to give any answer you want it's an opinion <laughs> all right so cindy i do need you over here so that the microphones can hear you it's worth yeah, it you can just stand here we can still pick you up all we want is your, feeling. your opinion yeah yeah your opinion come on so over. cindy yesterday we had a tournament yesterday as, as you're well aware dan was out of the house for a sizable amount of time it's very rare for tournaments to have trophies for one day events like this but this this is the trophy that i won and it is a trophy listeners that (laughs) it's warfare in wales it was held at our friend austin's house who lives in wales wisconsin and it is of his social security number crawling baby and this has some significance. Yes. He held this, Brendan, right. essentially to give the people in our group who are having children. In the next couple months. There's a, yeah. a fair, oh. fairly large, about three or four of oh, our two, well. But yeah. yeah and so he had one last year because he was having his first. Yeah. For but, people who won't get a chance to play because they're going to have brand new children. Is this like foreshadowing for you or something? I hope not. <laughs> 
So what do you think of the trophy, though, given the reason we had the event? So that gets to sit on my trophy case next to all of my awards, my medals, my sword, my big metal dragons, yeah, uh, some I metal cups. What strange you... and unexpected. <laughs> Str- Not think yeah. of this in terms of the games that you guys play. No, I <laughs> I think given what it is, it's awesome. I think it's an really? awesome choice of a crawling baby, yeah. So thank you for your opinion on one of the stranger trophies that are in my case. Uh, you, did you post that? I bet the response was great. I bet it was. All right, Dan. This is all over the place today. This or that, just because we're coming back. So I want to know who your final four are, my first question. Okay, yeah. So again, obviously heavily dependent on bracket. Houston looks way too good. UCLA Mm -hmm. looks way too good. Mm -hmm. I will not pick against Gonzaga until they give me a reason to. Mm -hmm. And it's that last one that's really tough for me. I end up always doing something real stupid with my bracket, which usually just like... I just feel good about mm-hmm. this team making it far. Yeah. Right now in a vacuum, I'm going Kansas. The next question. See, I don't usually, listeners, ask open-ended questions. This sure. is weird for me. I want to know who your final four are right now in the NBA. I want to see how your list compares to mine. In the NBA? So, yeah, in the NBA. So out of the East, I think this is real easy. It's Bucks and Celtics. Okay, right? that's the, my choice. Yeah, okay. Just no-brainer out of the East. Out of the West, I'm going the Nuggets and the Suns. Okay. Um, the Suns being dependent on Kevin Durant being around for the playoffs. Sure. Uh, which... He should be. Uh, okay. Man, that team is real good when cool. they have everybody. So you don't think the Grizzlies have a shot? So we'll see what happens with the whole John Morant thing. Like, he could potentially be looking at a 50-game suspension. Sure. Oh, yeah. Potentially. Absolutely. And that would do it. So Yeah, that would do it. The Kings are too young. They've never been there before. Yeah. Right? I'm a firm believer that in the NBA, you have to do some suffering first before you can do something. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That has historically been largely true. There's been a few super teams where that has not been the case. Okay. Right? The Grizzlies... If they've got everybody, they can do it. But mm-hmm. they've got a lot of guys who are hurt. Yeah. They've got their best player looking at a suspension that's going to stretch yep. well into next year. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't know. Okay. I'll take Kevin Durant maybe being there. Okay. I have one more. This is three sports questions, oh, which boy. is weird for me. You can only watch one of these this year because okay. of time constraints or whatever. Too many time constraints. You can only watch March Madness or you can only watch the NBA playoffs. Probably the NBA playoffs. March Madness is fun for like a really small vacuum in time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got some what ends up being some very slow days at work sometimes mm-hmm. because of it. Like to me, the things that are more interesting are, you know, watching the brackets go and mm-hmm. and like that elite eight to championship game mm-hmm. time frame. Like to me, those are the games that are interesting. Sure. There are some real garbage games oh, in, sure. the, in the first two rounds. You know, like, yeah, cool. Yeah. You're going to stumble into some good ones. I think the playoffs are much more interesting. I think the to beat a team four times out of seven yeah. requires some real tactical brilliance mm-hmm. on the part of the players and the coaching staff, right? Because sure. players at this level are effectively coaches in many ways, shapes, mm-hmm. and forms. Like They also have to possess that basketball that knowledge IQ, of the game. Yeah, yeah to absolutely. be able to execute at that level. That's just the way it is. Okay, these different teams are composed in different ways, where the you know the matchups and that kind of thing. I enjoy the one-off in football because you couldn't do a best of three. Like mm. it would be immoral to do that to people. Sure, right. Do I think you'd get a better result of it? But I think the net result that you get in the NBA playoff is one of the most interesting things in sport because in baseball and hockey, it's do you have a hot pitcher or a hot goalie? 
and that largely determines if you're going to win that series or not. But in basketball, there's so many changes game to game that if you're not paying attention, right, it doesn't seem like are happening, but certain players and certain lineups have different things that pair mm, very well against sure. this group of players and this kind of offense or this kind of defense. And sure. The health of these players through these seven oh, right. games is huge, right? The Bucks Celtics series last year in Game Seven, those guys were exhausted, mm-hmm. and they were beat up too. Just Both beat teams up were physically, smoked for sure. You know that's interesting to me. Sure, right? okay. You know, can you slog? Yeah. through all of that to the finish line because then they got to a healthy Warriors team and the Warriors are like, cool. We're fine. <laughs> We're fine with this, yeah. So for yourself, frigates or ironclads? In a vacuum, frigates. Okay. I think they have more just regular one-to-one utility. I think that they are more useful in more games. That doesn't mean that you can't build things around your fr- around your ironclads and them not be useful. Obviously, what I was using was useful and successful. But sure. I think most lists are going to include a frigate. Okay. Then the last question is... Given a choice between these, you have to pick between these two, a code write or a navigator? That's an interesting one. I think I'm taking the navigator. The have your opponent's movements is everything. I'm sure and, that's... And, yeah. Right, so if the thing that you're trying to prevent is them getting into your business, keeping them out of your business is one of the things that's incredibly important. Because even taking something that's movement 12 down to movement 6 and you're changing that charge from you know 3 to a 9, it's a bell curve. That's where the number. Or you go. make that 3d6... A 15 or an 18 inch charge instead of a 10 or a 9 inch or I see what you're saying exactly sure. okay that's it for me then as well okay coolio all right moving on to the end of the show there is something going on around here something you may not even know about Sunday announcements, my friend. So, it's not really an announcement. I'm going to show you what's on the Warhammer community sites. Okay. Another live react. Okay. So, this is the video that's playing where the weekly update is supposed to be. Okay. So, it's basically a 40K uh, video is what we're seeing right now. That's a Terminator. That's Space Hulk. Oh, Space Hulk, yeah. yeah. So that's a Tyranid head. Yeah, so and then it's when you look at the Tyranid in the bones, eye, and then you see in the eye, you see a reflection of a Terminator. Yeah, a Terminator white yeah. with red armor. Okay, that's maybe what it is. Something Space Hulk. All right, Coolio. That would be neat. A refresh of that game would be interesting as heck to see. Okay, Coolio. Then Q&A, anything for you? I do. I can't remember if it was Mike or Dave that asked the question this morning, because one of the things before we go record is I, you know, I go to one of my oh, group yeah. chats and I go, hey, anybody got any questions for the show? And sure. one of the questions was, do you guys think that you can put someone in the cube at the Spring Rubicon? This is going to be the most practiced you'll have been with a list. Yes, I think we can. You think we can beat both the same person? Yes, I believe so. That's always a question of matchups, obviously, and how we both do in the first couple games or whatever. That would be reasonable then that that might happen. Yeah. And if Dan wins his first two games, holy mud. All bets are off, right? Okay, that's a cool question. Then I got a question from Andy, and he asked, do I feel that Sylvaneth, because he's been listening to you know our progress in that, mm-hmm. are more or less difficult to play than Nighthaunt? And I would say... Well, that's a good question. That they're many more moving parts to me. I think once you learn the book Night Haunt, there's a lot of things that are the same. Saves are the same, attacks are the same, rend is the same. You've got two or three key characters that you always play that do the same thing. And so I think, not that it's easy to win with them. I mean, they're still challenging and they're a great army, but I think that the Sylvaneth, you know, is playing Oakenbrow. I've got 
four different, very different behemoths or, you know, monsters. And I have to learn each and every one of them and what they do and how to use the rules to buff each one of those individually and maximize the efficiency of each one of those. And I find that a real challenge because I'll end up forgetting that I can do something or that I should have done something. Even now, after what, five, six reps I've had, I've, Just a few. I, I found that more challenging. But I also will say, Andy, that I find it more rewarding when I do win a game or when something does work against a really tough opponent. Episode 118, my friend, mm-hmm. uh, will be post-Adepticon. It will be. We're going to try to get this done a couple days after. If we've got some sleep and we're recovered from the four days, we're going to do a, lot of days. a post-Acon report out on different things that we've done and we're both gonna have pretty busy schedules man you especially the first two days are just gonna be killer for you with those events being so booked out i'll pretend like i'm not you know (laughs) terrified so that's that's it for planning and everything else thanks brendan great having your experience yesterday with the ko's to bring to the table yeah that was wonderful thank you as always my friend for being a part of the madness and thanks cindy for your input on that crazy trophy that was really cool i'd heard about it but i hadn't seen it some prestige yeah awesomeness as always listeners thanks for hanging in there we always appreciate your coming on board and listening to us We're always surprised at the number of people that listen to the podcast it's crazy but we're glad we can bring you something you enjoy other than that you all stay safe stay healthy and don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something Bye. this is the